the original concept of the Superhero Homies podcast is I wanted a platform where myself and, and all my friends could come on and talk about the, the the latest cool movies coming out and the comic books that inspired them and the potential storylines they could use and who these characters are and their feats and their powers and maybe even somewhat pseudo-philosophical questions like, you know, is the Punisher's version of being morally gray, is that really something that's truly ambiguous or, is, or does it really reside on one side or the other? You know, what about uh, people like Galactus or Doom? Like, where do they really reside on the on the scale of good to bad? And who's really the the barometer of that? I wanted to do a podcast to discuss all of those things. At least that's what I say out loud on the microphone and to my friends to make myself seem somewhat humble. Truth be told, I wanted to do this podcast uh, so I could big myself up and be like, look at all the cool, useless shit I know. And and today I do not get that opportunity to do that. This is uh, the superhero homies podcast, sure, but this is going to be one hundred percent your episode to shine and to flex and to do all of the above. Well, I am turned all the fucking way up tonight, <laughs> all the way Thank, up, all the way up, <laughs> thanks to this uh, ghost energy drink, not yeah, a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, the homie Kevin is the one who got me drinking these. Oh yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll pour one out for you right here in the studio. Yeah, yeah, please don't pour that out. <laughs> <laughs> this nice red yeah. energy drink. <laughs> I'll pour one out yeah. into my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. Uh, to say that I'm excited about this would be a fucking understatement. Um. This is my shit. Uh, not going to lie. Uh, we're talking about Brandon Sanderson's white sand tonight. And this was a thing where when I, I knew when I knew they were going to do the omnibus, because I was definitely waiting for that because the old issues were really hard to get a hold of. I've, I was seeing them going for like 200 bucks used. Yeah. You know, um, they had really stopped printing them. This was a whole deal. And I knew the Omni was coming out, and I was like, you know, uh, my my mission, like how Rick's mission is ultimately to get the Szechuan sauce, <laughs> mine is to convert all of my friends into Cosmere nerds. And so this was my opportunity to use your podcast to do it. <laughs> Can I just say that, like, all of your... Uh, mischievous plans have worked, and they've worked way too easily. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, dog, I got you this cool omnibus that's on the way, and we should totally talk about it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And, hey, man, listen, I got this cool box set of this TV show called The Shield. You should really check this out. I would love to check that out. And then, you know, laying in bed one night and just thinking, like, I got played. <laughs> the shield is a is a really long gestating thing. Like, I, I, as a matter of fact, I would say that is definitely a fucking failure because out of all the people that I've tried to get to watch that, like, I definitely have a an overwhelming failure rate. Like, really, as far as like how many people that I know and how long I've known them and have they watched it. But also, I will say this, not to turn this into the Shield podcast, because that's another thing I could talk about for six fucking days. Uh, <laughs> the Shield is one of those things where, like, yeah, you if you have any kind of trigger warning, 
You can't watch that fucking show. That's true. I don't care what it is. Yeah. If you can't handle animals being harmed, mm-hmm. if you can't handle humans being harmed, yeah. uh, I mean, rape, like mm-hmm. any anything, like if you have a, any trigger warning, like it will be <laughs> that, triggered. That show is probably yeah. gonna flip that switch. Oh and yeah. So that contributes to it as well. Like. There's only certain people that I would really recommend that show to. That's fair. Uh, because it is, I mean, they give no fucks. Oh, you no. Know, it is raw as shit. Yeah, and you told me this before we started watching it. it. was, by the way, you guys can catch our review of the first half of that entire series on Entertainment Evolve. Uh, Caleb, the homie Joe, and myself all sat down to discuss the first four seasons of that show in its entirety. Uh, excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Yeah. But, and, and then last night... Uh, if you listen to this, the uh, the video is up, is up now too, uh, so you can check out the video on under Entertainment Evolved on Spotify or YouTube. Uh, you can get the Superhero Homies Enhanced Audio right here. Uh, that was a, an awesome review, and that was yes. maybe you know me and you disagreed on the movie, but mm-hmm. we definitely don't disagree on how fun it was to review the shit because oh, that was yeah. a blast. Yeah. It may be the most fun I've had reviewing a movie. I don't know. But I, I think it helps that our opinions were, were different. Oh, yeah. Know? And I was thinking about this, too, just earlier today. Uh, I think that it it benefit. It, it's more, I think it's more fun maybe to listen to when you and I in particular disagree. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> simply because, like, when it comes to, like, extreme fine critique, like fine-tuning critique, uh, we're the ones who are really willing to go as, as deep as we need to go yeah. to hit that. And and also, like if, if you and I both, even if we both shit on something, which is also always fun, you know, it's like there's some poor soul out there listening who's like, man, I really like that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we'll shit on it from different angles. Yeah. You know? It's like a... Um, it's like a uh, a super kick party, but oh, shit, <laughs> You're right. you know. Oh well, I guess it's just like a super kick party. Oh goddamn! Yeah, <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> uh, yeah. And if you're offended by that, the only people more soft than you are the wrestlers that you like. Goddamn, that motherfucking feel. <laughs> One Bill Phil. One Bill Phil. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. We are all over the place. We are already. We, we got to get into this tonight. We but, do. But uh, I think you have a challenge for me first. I do. There is a bit of business that we need to discuss here, and that is uh, the 15 questions game. So he, he's, he, he has a chance to fuck me up tonight because my brain is so Cosmere tuned. I wish you guys <laughs> could see this. I have so many pages of of well-organized notes with me. Mm-hmm. I brought my my version of the Omni. I got a fucking star chart over here. He literally like, does, yeah. I got I brought a bunch of shit tonight. And like this is just this is just an outline. Like it'll be like a couple things that I know will trigger the wiki article in my head. So <laughs> that's fucking perfect. Yeah. And uh, I would expect nothing less. Yeah. I'm hyped, but let, let's get let's get this done. Let's go ahead and do this then. Let's get this bread. All right. It's on you, my friend. All right, so are you? Are you? Before we even get started, mm-hmm. is this? I, I will go ahead and tell you. I would not. Uh, I would not, Brendan. You. He, he did waste his first question last time asking, "Is this a, a comic book question?" And I was like, "Yes, Brendan, it is." Okay, yeah. I just yeah. wanted to make sure. And then, 
Yeah, like not only that, but like uh, I asked, "Is it Marvel?" You said yes, and then later that motherfucker said, "Is it DC?" <laughs> That's on him. Yeah, you know? yeah, I know. I was like, "Really?" Okay, okay. All right. So, um, all right. So, so it is, it is a comics character. Um, is it a Marvel character? Yes. Okay. That's always a 50-50. Yep. <laughs> um, but you can't... You got to burn another question if you get a no there. I know. Because it, yeah. it, it could be a fucking Dark Horse it character. It could be Dark Horse or, or shit, Image. You know, yeah. anything. Yeah. Dynamite. Right. <laughs> oh, shit. Like, technically, like, I could really I just fuck you God, up. I swear to God, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to derail this in the middle of the game, but... Uh, I listened to 17th Shard, which is a Cosmere mm. mainly podcast... And they do a, a who's that Cosmere character game, and it's like uh, it's five clues, and then everybody on the podcast gets one guess oh, after each clue. Yeah. And if they, if they don't get it by the end, then then they lost. But that's yeah. pretty cool. So yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, all right, that's one. I get three guesses. Yep. This is this a solo? All right, mm-hmm. that doesn't count as a question. No, <laughs> that's a rules clarification. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, maybe I should stop drinking this energy drink. <laughs> Uh, is it a male? No. Okay. Are they a villain? No. That's three? Yep. Would you consider them a hero? Yes. Okay. Are they associated with the X-Men? No. Are they associated with the Avengers? No. Have they been in a live-action film? No. Have they been in a live action television show? Yes. Do you like the show? (laughs) (laughs) You know that's always going to be the next fucking question. (laughs) It's a branching path right here. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I do enjoy the show. That's not what I fucking asked you. I said, do you like it? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I'm, uh, that's nine. Um, have I seen the show? Uh, I will say, yeah. Is it part of the MCU? No. I only got four questions left. I got I got to tighten up here. So, they've been in a live action television show. Mm-hmm. It's a female hero. They are not associated with the X Men, so that rules out uh, gifted. Yep. And uh, the fucking show with what's his name on it, uh, Xavier's kid. Oh yeah, Legion. Legion. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and it's not part of the MCU. Uh, it's Marvel, so it's not CW drivel. Uh, <laughs> fucking A. Uh, and you're not an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. person. Uh, live action television show. Marvel. Not in the MCU. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> is, is this an Inhumans character? That's a question? Yeah. No. Okay, was that 11? I got four left? Or was uh, that 10 and I got five left? I, th- I think that it was, was 10. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The fuck? 
All right, hold on. I got to. All right, so not part of the MCU, not Inhumans, live action television show. And you think I've seen it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're you're like clarification. You're yes. like you're like positive I've seen the show. Yes. Okay. Marvel character. I feel like I'm getting hoodooed here. This is where I start looking at the shelves. <laughs> not going to help me. Uh, <laughs> shit. Yep. Okay. Um, Marvel television show that's not in the MCU, not The Gifted, not Legion. I haven't fucking seen Runaways. Um, but you've seen some of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'll have to burn one. Are they in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? No. Okay, <laughs> uh, that's eleven. Um, <laughs> uh, what fucking? Mar- I mean, this is not a question. You know? <laughs> what fucking Marvel television show exists that's outside of the parameters that I have outlined? I know that I'm going to be like, "What the fuck?" Mm-hmm. in a minute. Uh, Not in the MCU. And I've seen it. Yes, yep. You have definitely seen it. <laughs> I, I would do you a favor. Okay. I, I would give you uh, a, a slight hint. Uh, you have also seen this character in a show that wasn't just her. And has tie-ins to other shows. Mm-hmm. Okay. My brain is drawing a fucking blank on this. <laughs> this is what happens when I spend the, the entire day steeped in the Cosmere. Yes, I was going to say, I got you with the, on the Cosmere shit. You did. I'm just like, <laughs> fuck. Okay. Um, and I believe you have three... I have three questions, questions left. left. Yep. Um, and I'm... Over here, just desperately trying to put this shit together. I feel like it's going to be obvious when it happens, but like my brain is just like, what the fuck are you thinking here? Um, <sighs> now, I will extend to you the same grace that I extended to Brendan. Uh, I will. I can give you what I think is a, a heavy clue, but it will cost you. Two guesses. And then I'll only have the one guess. Yep. <clears throat> okay, I'll make that trade. Okay. Uh, this character is on uh, the bookshelf behind you. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when when you either guess this or or, or don't, yeah, it's it's gonna be yeah. Yeah, I mean, oh, of course. Ah, oh, that's it's uh. Why did I think of that? 
It's the uh, the Marvel Netflix stuff. So I got three questions left. Yep, three. Okay, uh, are they in Luke Cage? Actually, no. Okay. Are they the titular character in their show? Yes. Jessica Jones. It is Jessica Jones. That's correct. Man, she's been... I don't know why the Netflix verse... (laughs) Yeah, I was so surprised. I was like, yeah, the Netflix shit just kind of... The Netflix shit just fucking broke me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about any of that shit because I haven't watched a lot of it in a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Probably because the last time I... I actually did a full watch through of like all of that shit. All of it? Maybe, I thought it was just Daredevil. Maybe no, no, no. I well, okay, no. You know what? I just watched Daredevil, but I watched Defenders, like where it oh, goes. Oh yeah, and that shit will make you not want to watch yeah. any of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And cause so I was like, I wasn't sure how much Jessica Jones you had seen, but I distinctly remember you mentioning sometimes, somewhat recently, rewatching Defenders. Yeah, and I like um I actually like seasons one and three of Jessica Jones. Yeah. I think two I was not. Two super, was the one with her mother, mother, I think. Mm. It's like a monster and then the monster's actually her mother. Yeah, something like that, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. That might have been three actually. Was that three? It, it could have been. No, no, three was the one with Nuke. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That was a good season. Yeah, I liked three. Yeah. I did not I like I didn't hate two, but it was just okay. Yeah. And and of course one was the best <clears throat> season of that show. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh it, it's interesting though because uh I had Brendan on and I think it was for the the Steel review, that classic movie. Right. And uh I had the same character in mind for him and and he did not get it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I wonder. It would have been, it would have been admittedly sweet for me if you got us both. Yeah. 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 Well, if my brain had had like mm-hmm. made that wrinkle to go to the fucking Netflix verse early, I think I would have got that shit way sooner. But mm-hmm. yeah, for whatever reason, that whole block when when you said live action Marvel not in the MCU, my brain should yeah. immediately went to there. <laughs> yeah. Not in humans. Right. I was like, oh god. But yeah, I don't know why I didn't fucking think of any of that. But first of all, I wouldn't assume that you had watched any Inhumans in the first place. No. No. <laughs> I saw the trailer. That was enough. Yeah, I was good. That Ike Pormoto goodness. Yeah, yeah, it's like Star Wars. You show me the credits first before I watch it. I need to know how far up in the credits Kathleen Kennedy's name is. But that is um and this is something that you told me, I guess, a few weeks ago, maybe even longer, actually. But it was still a surprise to me sitting down rewatching the old indie flicks and seeing her name pop up in the credits. Like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Coffee getter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, with that being said, homies, one and all, welcome back to a very special and very unique episode of the Superhero Homies podcast. My name is Quentin, and tonight I am here with my good friend, the homie Caleb. Hey, and uh, as as we said earlier, I am all the way up. All the way, I need a button for that now. <laughs> all the way yeah. up. Definitely need a button for that. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah man. I, I'm so hyped for this, dude. Like, I, I've been really wanting to have a reason to nerd out about this shit. Um, I actually recorded a, a, a episode with Ranking, Kay. yeah. For my podcast a little while ago, 
where we actually ranked everything that we had both read in the Cosmere. But I actually, because we had both read a good bit of White Sand, Mm -hmm. we went ahead and ranked it based on what we had read so far. And I think we ranked it accurately. I think, so we did like a S, A, B, C scale. Yeah, yeah. And I think we put it in the B or A column. Uh, I think we might have put it in the B column. But I think we ranked it accurately, even though... And I think I put it there knowing that the last act of any Sanderson work mm-hmm. is going to blow your fucking socks off. So, so this is going to be interesting because we haven't spoken since we both finished it. We have not. And would now that you finished it, would you keep it where it is with, with your ranking? Or would you retrospectively move it up? Or, or what? What's I, the deal? I, I would definitely keep it where it's at, like... But you have to understand mm-hmm. that, like, even so, even the stuff, even if we put it in the B column, which I'm pretty sure that's where we put it, I still like the stuff that's in the A and the S column. Oh yeah, is yeah. like so fucking good. Gotcha. So like, even for this, even the stuff at the bottom, I love. Yeah, you know, even the stuff that we gave a C, mm-hmm. and that was only two things. Yeah, I love those those things. So you know, this is even though I don't consider it to be. Like prime time fucking Cosmere, um, I, you know it. I still thought that it was incredible. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, um, usually I would say for most people, um, I always suggest that they start with Mistborn uh, if they're gonna get into the Cosmere dive. And Mistborn is a six hundred page novel. <laughs> it, it, you know, and and that is intimidating yeah. to a lot of people. Uh, and I would say there's a couple of other entry points. Um, some people have started with Way of Kings. That's an 1,100-page novel. Wow. I typically don't recommend that unless the person that I'm talking to is like an avid reader. Yeah. And even then, I usually will tell them to get to start with Mistborn because it's an action-adventure book. Way of Kings is like the first 700 pages of world building. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And if you just fucking have a hard dick for world building, yeah, then it is it that is a fucking buffet that it will never end for you. It's just a, <laughs> it is the fucking the chocolate fondue fountain, and and you're the fucking eight year old kid trying to put his corner of the cob in the shit. So that's almost two thirds of the book, then. Roughly, yeah, what you say? Well, and and the thing about that is once that once you get through that chunk of like where it's all world building, mm-hmm. they just fucking go, and like the next book yeah. is longer, and it literally picks up right at the end of the first book, and they don't have to do all that build up, right? And they just run, and it's that that that's my favorite book of all time. So which one's that one? The the second one. It's called uh, Words of Radiance. Oh, okay. It's the sequel okay. to Way of Kings. Yeah, gotcha. And that's your favorite. That that's is my favorite book. Period. Yeah. Um, so that being said, I would actually recommend, I, you know, depending on who it is, I think this is a new Cosmere entry point for me. Mm-hmm. I think that, especially if someone is more inclined to graphic novels, it's the only graphic novel in the Cosmere. Yeah, referring to White Sand now. Yeah, yeah. White Sand now. Um, I think if someone is more inclined to, like, a graphic novel and I want to introduce them to the way Sanderson writes... I think that this is a decent entry point uh, because this book, even though I know everything, just about everything mm-hmm. there is to know publicly about this universe, um, I still wanted to know more. Same. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The, at the end of this book, you're like, 
well, what do you mean? Yeah, we, <laughs> well, yeah. we got other shit to do. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the shit ain't done. We ain't over. Yeah. Uh, which uh, I guess, um, by the way, guys, like this, this won't be like a super. We're not gonna like break down every single detail of every single panel, but there will be spoilers in this. Yeah. So what I'm gonna do, um, if somebody's a Cosmere person, uh, I'll put this out there. I am gonna briefly explain what the Cosmere is to mm-hmm. start us off, but I am going to. There will be the minorest, tiniest of spoilers in yeah. there. Nothing relevant. Um, and then I will keep all the spoilers uh, contained to White Sand. Yeah. Uh, after that, so yeah. if and, you're uh, and, and if if you would like, um, at the end of the podcast, we can do like a five ten minute section that is just spoilers. Oh, we can just go balls to the wall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll have to tell several people to cut this shit off. Yeah. Oh, we will. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so 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 the Cosmere, and, and this is a great uh, one of the great reasons that we're on this podcast. Uh, the Cosmere is essentially very much like the MCU. Uh. And one of the things about the popularity of the MCU is when Brandon first started doing these interconnected works, uh, you know, this was in like the 90s. And so there really wasn't this, you know, cultural zeitgeist where everybody's like, we want everything to be connected. As a matter of fact, the only thing that was kind of in the mainstream that was like that was probably like Stephen King's works, which have those really, you know. They're super, but those connections are... The, the more like, to a degree, they're Easter eggs. Yeah, they're glorified Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah, they're they're like you have to watch this shit over and over again uh-huh. to understand it. You know, um, this is like uh, I was watching. Uh, this is a weird ass reference, but I was watching Suits <laughs> the other day, and in like the second episode, they they work with this lady who has a doll company, and she makes one of the the characters like a weird, creepy doll of themselves, and you know, like. In like episode nine or whatever, we were watching it, and you see the doll in the background. Oh, it's that kind yeah. of shit, yeah. You yeah. know, and uh, <laughs> these connections are not the, these are these are important and they they matter. Uh, and so, you know, a massive like interconnected universe was not a thing in the mainstream, but now the interest in that is incredibly high. P- people are, you know, how it is like when um, things go too hard in a certain direction and then it becomes uh, a, a forced trope almost. Right. You know? it, it's like, in terms of like the mainstream, the MCU did it and they did it to tremendous success. And then all of a sudden everybody, for people who it makes sense, like DC and for people who it doesn't make sense, like the universal monsters, everybody has tried to kind of have that kind of interconnected universe. Yeah, and, and and there's a reason for that, right? It's because the interconnected universe works on so many levels. For example, with the MCU, if you didn't start off with Iron Man, I mean, technically that's okay. If you want to watch Captain America first, even that's right. fine. Uh, and the reason why that's so cool, especially for somebody like Brandon Sanderson, uh, like a, a novelist, is because you put out a book, and then you put out another book. And if somebody were to technically read that second book book first, would they be lost? Well, so it depends, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of like a, a series of silos. So obviously with Mistborn, you want to start with the first Mistborn book. Right. Which there are eight now. Um, so, you know, you want to start with Mistborn. Mm-hmm. But if you could start, if you started with Way of Kings, which is a Stormlight book, uh, then, 
you you would not think anything of it. Just like this book is very standalone. It is. It, it, there's not all these crazy connections. The crazy connections come where I know what these characters are going to do, um, because. One of the main characters of this book is, is is like everywhere, right? And there is a huge Easter egg in this book, and I assure you that you didn't catch it. Because, oh, I know I didn't. Yeah, but, but I knew you would. Yeah, yeah, of course I. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I caught it immediately. So you know, the Cosmere is it is a series of interconnected works. It's about I don't know. At this point, it's like eight or nine different planetary systems, and it's it's pretty much one book. Like, one book series will be, like, on one planet. So, so you have Skadriel, uh, which is where all of Mistborn takes place there. You have Roshar, which is uh, another planet. Uh, And and Skadriel, one of the reasons that Mistborn is so popular, too, I think, Skadriel is a... um, Earth does not exist in the Cosmere. Right. Skadriel is a close planet to Earth. If you've only read the first Mistborn book, you'd probably be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because <laughs> there's literally, like, volcanoes that spew ash into the air 24-7. But it is the Earth analog uh, yeah. there. It is the most like Earth. Whereas, as a matter of fact, there's uh, uh, Brandon recently put out a little cool YouTube video about his inspirations for Mistborn. It's maybe, like, 10 minutes long. And, uh, and they kind of explain, like, what his mindset was going through all that stuff. Uh, Rashar is where the Stormlight Archive takes place, and this planet is fucking weird. Like, it doesn't have soil. There's one little Whoa. section of the planet that has soil. For the for the rest of it, it's basically like the bottom of the ocean, but with no water. Like, it's kind of how it is. It's kind of a <laughs> mind fuck to yeah. wrap your brain around it. A little right? bit. Um, a, a planet with no soil. That's just a foreign concept to right. us. Right. Um, you know, and then you have... Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. what You have... Uh, Lumar, which is where the most where the most recent Cosmere entry, uh, and that will not be the case in ninety minutes because another <laughs> Cosmere book is going to be coming out in ninety minutes <laughs> tonight. Uh, it is called Yumi and the Nightmare Painter, which sounds like a Studio Ghibli film. Uh, I have no fucking idea what it's going to be about or where it takes place. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So. I know that uh, that at this point, Mr. Sanderson has amassed an enormous fan base. And to a degree, I, I think it's fair to say, like, to a degree, uh, he's almost like the, the Christopher Nolan of, like, of, of uh, a fantasy. Right. Because now, Nolan puts out a movie, who cares what it's about? Nolan made it. You right. Know, you know what his stuff is like. And, you know, if you like his other stuff, you're probably going to like this. Well, these four books that he's, the four brand new books he's releasing this year, and he's really actually releasing five, but um, the, the the secret ones, the the surprise four books that he just wrote and didn't tell anyone, um, those set the Kickstarter record, the all-time Kickstarter record. And it literally was, here is zero information about these books. <laughs> it was literally just, Brandon Sanderson wrote four books. Do you fucking want them or not? And it set the Kickstarter record for all time. That's insane, you know. And and that, to me, is is insane. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm I, you know you love to see it. Oh yeah. Um. So, uh, we have uh, Cell, which is where uh, Elantris takes place, which is his earliest published work. And there's also 
a novella called The Emperor's Soul that takes place there. But uh, this book in particular um, that we're going to be doing tonight is on a very unique planet, even amongst the Cosmere, called, called Taldane. And we're going to get further into that in a minute. So Yeah, so I... Uh... I had a couple of questions and some of which you you've answered already. Uh, but one of my comments I wanted to make was that this, I thought was a, a very unique book and a very excellent choice to adapt into a graphic novel. Yeah. Uh, because one, this book can be published into like one very attractive, uh, very well put together omnibus. Whereas I feel like, I mean, I don't, I don't know his work, you know, uh, a tenth as well as you do, but I imagine that anything else that could potentially even be considered a, a starting point for it to be adapted into a graphic novel format, we're talking about a shelf of books, you know. Yeah, for- <laughs> yeah just the first Mistborn, yeah. you're looking at maybe three of these, of the Omnis. I, I imagine easily, yeah. You know, yeah. <clears throat> and and, and that, another thing, too, is... Um, the other thing, reason I think this made such a great graphic novel, and we may be jumping around here, so I apologize for that, is like how many ways are you going to describe he shot out a beam of sand? You know That's what I mean? That's true. Yeah. That's going to get old eventually. Yeah. Most of the other magic systems, you can do a bunch of different stuff. But with this, seeing visually what the characters are able to do with their abilities, I think lends itself to the story significantly. And there's one scene in particular that st- stuck out to me, and I think probably stuck out to you too, and we'll we'll definitely have to talk about that. Yes. yes. Um, so I want to touch on some things about the Cosmere that I, I think might clarify some of the questions that you have um, about the that maybe aren't answered in the book. So <clears throat> the overarching narrative of the Cosmere is like thousands and thousands of years ago, there was one one god, uppercase god. Uh, Uppercase G. <laughs> uh, and that God's name was Adonauseum. And for whatever reason, we don't actually know why yet, um, a group of people came together and decided to kill God. And so when they killed God, I don't know 100% if they knew this was going to be the outcome or not. I don't. Uh, that's not really clear. Um, he was broken up into 16 sections which we call shards in the cosmere gotcha and each one of those shards embodies an aspect of god right um so to give you an example of of them uh some of the shards uh there's honor uh there's ruin there's preservation um there's odium which if you're not familiar with that term uh odium is essentially malice or, oh, okay. or vengeance or wrath. Um, and, and I think there's a very direct reason why he chose that name for the shard. Mm. Um, there's cultivation. Uh, there's whimsy. There is um, uh, autonomy, which is the one we're going to talk a lot about tonight. So uh, something I want to ask you especially in the third act of the book, but it's all throughout the book, you will occasionally see like a face in the clouds. Did you ever notice that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That is Bavadin. And Bavadin is the holder of the autonomy shard. Interesting. She is essentially the lowercase g god of 
Taldane, which is where all of this takes place. Okay, because the first time that I saw the cloud in the face, I mean, the face in the cloud, I yeah. should say, <laughs> uh, I didn't really know what to make of it, but I thought maybe it was, you know, a, a unique wink, wink and a nod, basically. But then you see it again, and then I believe you see it at least one more time. Uh, I didn't keep track of how many times, but I noticed every time because uh, I, I, I like to study the panels in, in books like this, especially when the artwork is, is this gorgeous. Uh, but I didn't know what that was supposed to represent. So that makes a lot more sense than what you say. Yeah, I mean, the so in, in terms of these 16 shards, they are essentially gods, right? Like, they do not have anywhere near the power that the original god had. Yeah. But their power is still basically infinite. It is immense. They are bound by certain things. Um, they all have certain covenants or agreements with each other that they are bound by and cannot break. Um, and breaking them would open them to be attacked by the others. Uh, and... You got to keep in mind as well, all of this happened thousands of years ago. So all of them have have been what they are for a very, very long time. Right. Um, now, here's another interesting thing. Uh, among those 16 people, there was actually more than 16 people there. There were at least 18. And one of the people there that did not take a shard had the option but did not take one. Uh, their name is Hoyd. They also, they, they have a couple of different aliases uh, in the Cosmere, and they are in every single book. Um, hmm. They are known as Hoyd in some cases. They are known as Wit in some cases. And they're also known as Sephandrius in some cases. So, uh, there's a little little hint for you. Yeah. So, yeah. I have a D&D character that is based off of this person. Um, and they are in this book, actually, in two places. Really? Uh, uh, that is, uh, so the, the place that it would be the most obvious is at the very end when they are on the boat and the guy starts singing the song. That's him. That is Hoyt. Oh. Yeah. He is like an ancient world traveled. He's been to every planet we've talked about. Huh. Um, and he basically has access, not, maybe not at this moment in time, but, but later he has access to basically every magic system from every world. So. Um, he is incredibly powerful. Not as he does not hold a shard, but um, you would not want to want to fuck with him. Gotcha. So even though he doesn't have a shard, he's still not to be fucked with. Yeah, I mean he's still functionally immortal. Um, he's probably the most powerful allomancer that exists, which means he can use metals to do all sorts of crazy things. Uh, he also has a mastery of sand, and he can do sand mastery and. He he can do shit. all all kinds of shit. He basically has uh, a little bit of each magic system throughout the different worlds. Um, now you might be asking, you know, if you have read this book or or any of the books I've referenced, if if all of these stories are on different planets, then how the fuck are there crossovers between them if there's not not spaceships? Um, and there is not. In ninety five percent of what's out there, if if a spaceship suddenly appeared in white sand, 
I would be like, what the fuck just happened here? Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody has a spaceship yet at the time that this takes place anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, uh, so there's another aspect to the cosmic called realmatic theory. And um, there, you know, this book, all of it takes place in, in the physical realm. But there is a secondary realm called the cognitive realm. And in that realm, uh, there are uh, space is not represented by physical distance. It is represented by souls. And so um, how many how large or small something is is directly related to how sentient it is and how many sentient creatures are there. So for example, a ocean would be very small, uh, other than like the creatures that live there. Mm-hmm. Like if there's a giant whale or something, that's that's different. But a city would be massive. Right? Gotcha. Uh, and then the space between planets where there is no life right. would be not that large. Okay. Uh, and so in order to travel to a different world, you have to um, use what's called a perp- uh, perpendicularity, which is a basically a... Um, if you watch the Indiana Jones review, it's a space-time butthole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's essentially a, a portal into mm-hmm. the other realm. And you basically would swap over to that realm and then travel to another planet and go back. And so that is how there is travel between the worlds. Um, and uh, Chrysala, which is one of the main characters in this book, and we'll get to her for sure in a minute. Oh, yes. Um, she is incredibly well-traveled. As a matter of fact... Um, she is probably the most knowledgeable magical scholar in the entire Cosmere. She knows even more than Hoyd. And wow. Hoyd, has, Hoyd has been around for thousands of years. Yeah. And has been involved in all this shit from day one. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a really cool thing with her. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's probably all of the, like, basic Cosmere knowledge that's needed. I want to talk about Taldane specifically for mm-hmm. a minute because there's some there's some really specific shit here. So all of those shards, their power is called investiture. Okay. And that can manifest itself in all kinds of different ways. And we see two kind of ways that it um that it exists here. Uh so I, I told you that autonomy is the shard that rules over the Taldane system. Yeah. And much the like the name of her shard um, of a uh, Bavadin is the the care the person's name that holds the shard. Um, she has made Taldane very closed off. It is nearly impossible to escape the planet, and it is basically impossible to return if you do manage to leave. Um, that face in the clouds is her. Um, early on in the Cosmere, we. Kind of all thought that, like, Odium is the main, like, bad guy of mm-hmm. the whole overarching story. But kind of as it's gone on, it's like, it's also autonomy. Like, uh, she's a bitch. Huh. Um, and what she likes to do, what she tends to do, is she likes to create an avatar of herself. And she will take that avatar, which is, like, just a, a small fraction of her power... And she will send it to a far-off world and create a religion there around whatever gotcha. that is. Yeah. And so her kind of outlook is to create like a this religion that's really based around autonomy 
and over thousands of years because time is irrelevant to her. Right. Um, it will build up a bunch of followers and then she will invade the planet and take it over. Gotcha. And and so that that's kind of that's that's, that's her deal. Yeah. And what's interesting is uh, for anybody who's read any of Mistborn, there is a religion on uh, Skadriel called Trellism. And uh, the random, like, foreman that um, uh, that uh, gets saved, that Kenton saves mm-hmm. in, in this book, his name is Trell. And that's, like, one of the weirdest fucking things, I think, for most <clears throat> of, like, the, the Cosmere folks like myself, is we're like, did she just like the name of this guy? Is he somehow related to this religion on this different planet? But that is one of her avatars, uh, and yeah, like she basically like spent thousands of years like building up this fake religion. Well, like, I mean, she's a deity, so I guess yeah, it's I mean, not fake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, to to kind of like try to invade uh, that world, and uh, I can't say much more about that without spoiling shit. But um, yeah, she's she's kind of awful. <laughs> so okay. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that she is, in my mind, right up there with Odium in, in as far as like being a danger to um, to the entire Cosmere. So, so let me ask you this, and uh, and we can bypass it if this gets too spoilery. Okay. But, you know, there's little, there, there's like uh, uh, passages or like cliff notes between each chapter of the book. And uh, you know they kind of fill in the blanks. Uh, it's, it's for me, it's very Alan Moore ish. That's something that he loves to do is to tell you the story between the story, and uh, it's very unique because uh, most most of it, if not all of it, is written from the POV of Chrysala. Yeah, and there is a section where they're talking about the uh, kind of the origin of uh, the different lifestyles and or religion on the planet. Uh, does that? To you, square with the uh, the actual deity, and or, so basically, do, do you think um, what was your name again? Like the the cloud lady, Lord G God, uh, uh, Bavadin. She holds autonomy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bavadin holds autonomy. Do, do you think that she? Uh, so so, did she essentially uh, instill this? religion onto this planet. I, I would I would wager that any religion on Taldane mm-hmm. is based on one of her avatars. For gotcha. sure. Gotcha. Um right down to like like the Sand Lord, yeah. there's no way that's not an avatar of uh-huh. hers. Um yeah, there, there's just no way. Because um, you know, going further into Taldane, it is so the the interesting thing about this planet is there's a light side and a dark side of the planet, mm-hmm. and it does not rotate, which right. is a weird ass thing for us to conceptualize. So it is daytime on half the planet one hundred percent of the time, and it is nighttime on half the planet one hundred percent of the time, and the planet is caught between two stars. It there's a very large star um, called uh, Asda on the uh, light side. And there is a smaller star called um, shit uh, Redos on the dark side, and 
both of those provide the planet with light, but they also provide the planet with autonomy's investiture. So on, uh, I guess we can get into into that. Um, on the dark side, so there's two magic systems, right? There's one on the dark side, one on the light side. Uh, autonomy fuels both of them. Like her power, mm-hmm. her investiture fuels both of them. Um, but on the dark side of the planet, they have star marks. Chrysala uh, mentions those right. that they, they fade, but those are like tattoos that give you powers. And those are like charged basically by that smaller star on the dark side. Oh, okay. So if you think about it, it's like you, she, they're constantly like they're using their powers, but their powers are constantly being refueled by that star. Yeah. We don't actually know what Chrysala's ability is. I believe that it's a functional immortality because she is alive way after this. Interesting. Way, way after this. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, I don't know if she has notes in Tress. Um, I don't remember that, but I know that at least like a th- probably a thousand years, at least like five or six hundred years after all of this, she is still out and about. Yeah. So um, I think an unnatural life span is part of her abilities because we never see her necessarily do anything. Her powers don't work on day side. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, as long as she can get investiture, like as I said, at, if if you, at the end of the day, it's all investiture. It's all power. It's just a matter of, uh, it, it's like, you know, uh, like AC versus DC, you know. Mm-hmm. If you can distill or convert or whatever to, to get it to what you're trying to use, then you can use it. Yeah. Right? So... That's the the dark side uh, power. The magic system that we talk about a lot in this book um, is the sand mastery, and that that is the same concept. the The sand and Crystalla kind of does these experiments throughout the book. Yep. Um, we see that the sand is like a, a solid white, and then there are creatures that eat it. Yep. And like poop it out, and it's, it's and black. It, it's black. Uh, or when the sand masters get done using it, and they're right. no longer wielding it, it turns that same color. And then it sits out in the sun and mm-hmm. becomes white over Recharges, time. yeah. And that's what's happening is, as we learn, there are like microorganisms on the sand. And those microorganisms are basically, um, they are absorbing the investiture from the, the star on the light side of the planet. So autonomy is kind of the same concept. It's constantly that star beams her investiture down onto the light side of the planet. Okay. And so that's what recharges the sand. Gotcha. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And there there are magic systems like this uh, on, a, on every world, basically, that has a, especially the ones that, where a shard has taken up residence. So. Man, that is deep as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that is so expansive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it, it goes, like, the rabbit hole goes deep for this. Um, and it was really fun for me because um, I haven't visited Taldane before I read this book. And uh, has, so, has it been uh, mentioned in any of your other readings? Autonomy is heavily mentioned. Okay. And I know that this is where she sets up shop. And, of course, Chrysala is all over the place. Um, and, and I actually got to give a shout-out 
to the homie Oz because he was reading. You uh, don't have to. I do. I do. Because uh, <laughs> this is actually something that even I didn't fucking catch. He's reading one of the like way later Mistborn books. And he's like, yeah, somebody was like dancing with this character at a ball or something. And, and I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, they seemed like really out of place or whatever. And, um, and I was just like, were they asking them about how their powers worked? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, fucking A. And yeah, in, in fact, it is Chrysala. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, damn it, man. Uh, so that, that was just a, a crazy thing where like, I missed that in my read through and, and he caught it. And so. He caught it. Yeah. She, she, uh, she gets around as far as worlds go. And, uh, and she seems to type, man. Like she is so, uh, inquisitive. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's definitely like the word. She's super inquisitive and like, uh, I mean, I'll go ahead and say it. She's, I think she's probably my favorite character in the book. Yeah. Uh, I think she's great. I mean, Two two things, right? Like, yeah. there's a lot of of really cool scholars in the Cosmere. My favorite character is probably uh, is definitely considered a scholar. My favorite mm. Cosmere character, but from a pure like, do you need a scholar standpoint? I would go with her over anybody. Wow, a hundred percent of the time. Um, she's just fucking cool, and the drip. Oh is. man, the dr- immaculate <laughs> at all times. Yeah, it, even in like the the worst of of, of 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 times, like this is not the this is not the time for your drip to make an appearance. It's still here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the drip of Chrysala. If you if you see the cover of this book, that's like the worst you see her look ever. Yeah, and and she looks awesome on the yeah. cover. You you want to know more about this character? Um, but yeah, I mean, the drip is on point all the time. So let's talk about this 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 book and how like mm-hmm. it kind of came about, and then we'll get into the the details. We started zoomed way out here, yeah, and uh, I'm I'm constantly zooming us in. <laughs> so, White Sand as a story was originally released in three volumes. Uh, first volume came out 2016, and then 2018, 2019, um, and then it was so this was kind of their experimentation with doing a graphic novel in the Cosmere. And a lot of the, a lot of it just didn't pan out the way you would want. Some of the magic stuff was different. Um, some of the artists, especially in volume three, were not like, I, they weren't really in tune with the story mm-hmm. and the universe. And like uh, the the infamous scene where there's a fucking boom box. I remember you telling me about that. And that is, that is so hilarious now <laughs> after having read the book. I'm like, <laughs> What? How could there have been a yeah. fucking boombox? There literally, at this point in time, could not be a boombox fucking anywhere. Uh, <laughs> is, was it with the spaceship? No. no yeah, 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 no. No, it is nowhere. Uh, and so, I think around 2020, 2021, they said, we're going to do an omnibus for this soon. And the omnibus released in 2022. L O fucking L. No, it didn't. <laughs> well, when did you first uh, bring this information to me? Like, when when did, when did we first discuss? It's been like eight months. Yeah, it was before I moved back here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it took fucking like the production of this thing from Dynamite. And I will go ahead and say this now. I will never do any fucking business with them ever again. <laughs> Dynamite dropped the fucking ball on this. And I, and the entire fandom is just like, fuck these guys. 
It was a bad move for Dynamite. And I honestly don't know if they will do more graphic novels in the Cosmere. If they do, I don't think they'll go through Dynamite. Probably not. Um, because it's just I, been awful. I mean, like I, I think that, I think the reception of this book and, and the sales of this book are are probably most definitely well enough to warrant more. Uh, but I don't think that they that they will be using dynamite. If I had to guess, um, and and who knows? Like I, I don't know if this is like a one time isolated thing that happened with dynamite. I mean they. They recently, you know, put out the the boys and omnibus format, and you know the boys is 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 maybe like their their biggest IP that they you know that they publish, and uh, you know I'm like man they got those out on time, and and with like no no severe misprints or anything, so I'm like if they could do that with something like the boys, then I'm like surely they can. Maybe they just fucked up. They had like one colossal fuck up, you know. <laughs> it was a series of colossal. It fuck was ups. though, like, cause it, it was a it was a whole venture. You trying to get these books? I mean, we thought that your copy might be the only one. Oh yeah, for a long time, and then for me to get this fucking thing, the deluxe one, uh, and then they they fucked up a lot of these, and they just had to send oh. new ones out, and they were like asking people to send their fucked up ones back in to get a new one. And I'm like, fuck that. I don't know if I'll ever get one back. Right. Uh, the only fuck up they did that was good was they sent me two paperbacks. I only ordered one and they sent me two. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. So I'm like, this is not worth, uh, this fucking trade paperback is not worth all my, my troubles, <laughs> but I will fucking take it. Oh yeah. I, even then I got a free thing and I was still rolling my eyes like you fuck ups. Yeah. Like, how many ones are y'all gonna roll here? Like they they were trying to uh, to test like Hollywood movies with how many uh, setbacks uh, the release they had. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was crazy. It's like a Black Adam number of fucking right. setbacks. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I I remember thinking that okay, for sure this time we're gonna get it, and this was in October. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I will say this. The team at Dragonsteel, which is Sanderson's company, um, the the head of creative over there, Isaac Stewart, this was his baby. And he really, I think, just knocked it out of the park. Um, all of the notes from Kasala, those are all written and added by him. Wow. So none of that was in the original. So all of those pages that have her notes, which I, as a lore slut, uh-huh. just fucking ate those up. Yeah. You know. Um, every time I got to one of those, I was like, oh, here we go. And I just started digging into it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, they were basically like little wiki articles almost. That's exactly what they are. But see, like it, it makes so much sense because, or it's so well done because it's from the POV of the character who was in the story. Yeah. And 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 it's who she is. Yeah. Yeah. And and so it all checks out, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I really dug that too. And a lot of the lore, you know, they, they aligned a lot of the lore with the Cosmere. The Omnibus is the only canon version. Um, so so I, this is considered canon, but when it first came out in trade paperback format? So the original, um, the original, I think they were actually floppy comic. Oh, oh wow, yeah, okay. If I'm not mistaken. Gotcha. Um, those were canon at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though, like, there were some, like, glaring, like, fucking issues. Right. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, in the original in the original works, um, Ace, uh, who's one of the not your kind of Ace, yeah, yeah, uh, is a- one of the AIS, yeah. main characters. It was a male. They gender swapped her for this, and I think it works out actually in this case. Really? Yeah. Huh. And then, um, I, I can kind of see it, but huh? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. And and and, <laughs> I, and to me, uh, I I feel like that. Like that, just it's got to work better this way. I, I think, think so. Yeah. Um, and all the uh, Chrysala notes. Also, originally the Sandmasters had this weird fucking shit where they could turn sand into water. Uh, what? And, and that was completely omitted from like the canon because it that's damn near OP. If made you think no about fucking it. sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know what the deal was with that. So that this was there. Like we're gonna align this with the Cosmere. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're looking around the room here. You're somebody who collects a lot of Omnis. Like, what did you think about, like, just the overall, like, the way that this is put together, the presentation? Yeah, I was going to say the presentation of this book is pretty damn immaculate. Like, there's a lot of care and uh, and attention put into this. Like, for example, uh, the book, although it it doesn't have an eye, it really doesn't need one because it's compact enough so that the book stays down flat. Almost no matter what you uh, what page you have the book on, and so you really don't you don't have to hold it open for like the first few pages, and then it, the book kind of lays flat. I love the fact that there's very little gutter loss, if any, on the pages. Yeah, and so like the bordering on the uh, on the artwork is is pretty fucking expansive, and so you get a lot of art on your page work on your pages here. Uh, I like the fact that uh, that the the binding in this book is also really well, which means there's no gutter loss. That shit that's in like <laughs> that shit that's normally missing, like that that middle section right there. Uh, so yeah, no gutter loss. In other words, this is a really well put together book. Um, some of the, some of the panels are breathtaking. Yeah, and, and and yeah, and that's not even to speak of the artwork here. Like the artwork is is immaculate, and what I really like. Because, like you said, I do read a lot of Omnis. The thing about most Omnis is that you're going through different teams of people sometimes. Right. So you, you'll you get uh, a different colorist or a different uh, artist and, or a different inker. And, you know, it kind of throws you off from one story to the next. Whereas with this, this almost entirely seems to have, like, the same consistent art style. And there are a few issues once you get towards towards the end. Like, like, you know, you can tell that there's a, an art difference here from yeah. here. Well, and those yeah. are probably, um, those pages, those panels are probably new, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and that would make sense. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it, it, only ha- it only really happens like once, you know? So, like, for the most part, the artwork is incredibly consistent. And then even when they do change the artist, is at a point in the story where... It's noticeable, but it's very insignificant. Well, and also, too, it's never like you can't recognize that character. That is the worst. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, I I think we're at the point here where we can kind of get into some of those characters and then maybe talk about some of the major plot lines. Um, So the first character we're introduced to here really is is Kenton, right? Like... uh, um, so I mean, we do technically start off with Chrysala. With Chrysala. Yeah. 
which I think is the right play. Mm-hmm. But we, I don't think we find out a lot about her. We don't. We just know that uh, she's traveling to this new land. Right. Uh, Kenton, is, and, and that's another addition, too, is that that prologue is new. Oh. Um, so okay. you kind of get the idea that Kenton's going to be the main character. And I, I think mm-hmm. he probably is the main protagonist. But I would put Cristala right there with him. Yeah. Um, so Kenton is the youngest son of the Lord Mastrel. And we come to find out that a Mastrel or the Lord Mastrel is the head of what they call the Diem. And um, and this is based off of the Latin word for day uh, because they are the masters of the magic on the day side of mm-hmm. the planet. Um, so the Diem is the, is the Order of Sandmasters. He's the youngest son of the, you know, the, the, the Lord of the Sandmasters. And he's not very good at what he, he's not considered very powerful. Right. Um, and at first notice, you would kind of think, okay, well, that, that is a little tropey, right? I've seen it before. But I think that Kenton is, they, the, there's a lot of depth added to Kenton mm-hmm. in every chapter. Yeah. And I think he overcomes that probably by like midway of the book. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, I think for me, really once the mantle starts to weigh heavy on him and he has to, he doesn't have to, but he begins toying with the idea of maybe doing things that would otherwise be beneath him. Right. You know, uh, I think for me, that's, that's really when his character started to open up for me. Yeah, uh, because a lot, especially in the beginning, a lot of what Kenton has here is very, you know, old world underdog protagonist, you know. Right. And and, and I mean, you know, it's like I said to you via text, like it, it in the beginning, like the first three or so chapters, you do have to put it with Kenton almost feeling like a, a, a very tropey kind of character. Yeah. You know? I mean, so like th- think about the protagonist trope you know, from any main movie or, or, or book or TV show that you've seen. And there may be some format of that in Kenton, you know, like, yeah. uh, is he, you know, the, the underdog amongst his peers check, or is he the last of his kind in certain ways? Check. Is he, he's know, a, he's half dark sider. Yeah. Yep. He's, so yep. he's different from everyone. He's different from so everyone. So they, yeah. you know, he's got to go through that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's almost got the fucking like Harry Potter. They make him sleep under the stairs shit, you know? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, and you know, he's like the lowest sand master. He can yep. only control the one measly ribbon of sand. And right. That makes him lesser than, you know? Yep. Um, and yeah, I agree. I think, I think that throughout this story, they add layer after layer to him mm-hmm. and, the the character growth for Kenton is, is, oh, yeah. is off the chain here. It is, and and this is something. This is Sanderson's bread and butter, yeah. right? Uh, when he was in like uh, in college, he had a writing group, and so it was a bunch of like uh, prospective authors, and they would just sit around and write together, and you know share their stories with each other and give feedback to everyone on them. And the one of the earliest works that he wrote was about this like magic school. Right, hmm. and it's all these kids that attend this like magic school, like kind of a Hogwarts s type thing. Right, and his colleagues are like reading and reading, and they're like, "These fucking characters are all super interesting, and we really like them." <laughs> and they're like, um, "But uh, 
So is there like an evil guy that's going to like try to take over the school and they're going to stop him? Or And he's like, no. <laughs> and they're like, so what's going to happen? And he's like, well, it's just going to be about like these characters and their like little adventures at the school. Like, nope. What do you mean? What's going to happen? <laughs> and, and that was kind of like the thing that he had to overcome where it's like, even at, at, in that like infancy, right. his idea of like character building, character development was always there. Um, but you know, uh, one of his like professors gave him the, the, the advice is like, you know, like what you're doing with these characters is amazing, but the, the universe has to be at stake. You know, mm-hmm. and that was one of the things where he had to sort of develop that, uh, and that can feel in itself tropey, and you have to kind of avoid that. And when I started reading this story, and I and got introduced to Kenton, I was like, "This is a weird Sanderson character." But as time went on, I was like, "No, this is straight up a Sanderson character," because right. your your expectations get subverted in a good way. Yeah, for and in a good way, which is a rarity these days. Yeah. <laughs> But I really like the stakes in the story uh, that you mentioned them because, I mean, you could argue that really it's not that the the universe isn't at stake here in this book. The, the world technically isn't really at stake here. Now, Chrysala, she has quite the crisis on her hands, yeah. you know, uh, like her, her, her nation is going to be under siege if she doesn't come up with a way to, you know, uh, to, to provide aid. But as far as like Kenton goes, it's like... My, you know, my, the, the, the DM, you know, um, and so like for him, his, his goal isn't so much to, if I don't do this, then the whole world will fall apart. It's like, if I don't do this, then, you know, my tradition, you know, what my, my father, you know, fought for, like th- this will all go away and I have to do something. And then along the, uh, along the way, he realizes he needs to not only pertain or not only protect it, but change it. Right, you know, and so I like that. The the it's stakes, like if the Jedi had been smart. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like if they had actually been smart and wanted to evolve with the times instead of keeping to the archaic ways. Like uh, if Qui Gon had lived, yeah. and like become the head of the council, like this is what would have happened. Right. It's, it's, it, that's that's really what it is, right? <laughs> yeah. Like if they had listened to Qui Gon and be like, you know what? Maybe if some of our ways are just, you know old stuffy tradition just for fuck's sake. Uh, but what Kenton does here, like is, uh, is pretty incredible because you can tell that the tradition of the DM is very important to him. But then as time goes on, he's like, if, if we're going to survive, then we have to adapt. Yeah. And, uh, I think that was a, a really cool play on it. And again, it was just also refreshing just to see that if he didn't succeed, it would have sucked. But, you know, life would have went on. Right. And and I also love how, like, the Sandmasters here are so secluded. It's mm-hmm. like in their own little world, they're like, we're so important, yep. all this other shit. But then when he actually gets out into the real world and sees people's actual perceptions of them, yep. it is completely different, uh, even to the point where they're, they're hated by many groups and many, like, just common people uh, because... It, it, they're just kind of seen as this drain on society, right? right. Their their arrogance is frankly overwhelming, you know. Mm-hmm. And he starts to realize, like, oh, this is the perception. I always thought I was part of this really prestigious organization, yeah. But that's not the case at all. And like, 
I want to be part of this, but like now I have to do some real fucking work to make that true. Right. You know, and, and not to get us off topic here or to, to move ahead, but that did remind me of like another character who I didn't think I would like too much because I, you know you can kind of see the writing of the wall, on the wall with him and see where they're going. But then, like you said, they subvert expectations in a very cool way. Uh, would you pronounce it Drile or, or Drile? Drile. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Early in this book, you really yeah. do think that you're like, this is going to be Kenton versus Drile. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this fucking Harry Potter versus Lucius Malfoy, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, you really think that this is going to be the, the setup. Right. You know, but I don't think, I mean, that's not what the book, fucking book is about at all, really. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's some of that there, but then, even then, the context isn't what you think it would be. You know? Right. Especially when you see, and I'm sure that this was done purposely, but some of the things that Kenton first accuses Drowl of doing, Kenton ends up kind of doing himself. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and, and so it was cool to kind of see how that resolves itself, you know? And, and, Drile is kind of pain. I mean, first of all, his name's Drile. Uh, yeah, he just sounds like a dick bag. <laughs> it rounds with vile on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> and and you're like, they kind of like, they show you the trope to make you. They use the trope against you essentially. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, this guy's a fucking dick bag, and he's so powerful, you know. Yeah, and then they just <laughs> toss you down that fucking cliff. Yeah, you know, and you're like, man, that fucking Drile son of a bitch, he betrayed the fucking Sandmasters. Right. And, and, and like, and you with Kenton in the beginning because you have no reason not to believe Kenton's theories. Oh, it was Drow who who it's Drow who's probably sending these assassins. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm yeah. like yeah, it yeah. is fucking Drow. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, like uh, their 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 goals are are pretty readily aligned. Right, honestly. And don't get me wrong, Drow is an arrogant asshole. Yeah, but like uh, he wasn't in, in any way like what Kenton was trying to. To make him out like he was this real like big antagonist or whatever. Mm-hmm. They ultimately had the same goals. They just had a slightly different ways of going about it. Right. And you know, even early in the book, Kenton's like, "This motherfucker is gonna undo all our traditions or whatever." And then, throughout the course of this mm-hmm. story, he's like, "Oh, we have to tear all those down." Actually, right. yeah. You know, and Drow saw that shit way before he did. Right. And and they both kind of, they both kind of thought that the other was you know. The real ops, you know? Yeah. Like, you're here trying to undermine and underdo the good that I'm trying to do. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and that's the thing, too, is it's, um, you know, so many so many times, like, a conflict like this is misunderstanding in, yeah. in our, in, in real life. And, and we see that here uh, with the two of them where, you know, it, 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 it goes back to that old, like, uh, you know, uh, I always, always in fantasy, you can reference Tolkien, right? Mm-hmm. It's when, uh, you know, Faramir shoots the guy off of the fucking elephant's back or whatever. And he's like, you know, this guy works for the enemy, but was he really evil? You know, like what lies right. took him from his home and brought him here? You know, what, what, uh, what false promises, you know, got him out here and, you know, in a situation where he was going to throw his life away. It, it's that kind of thing where it's like, uh, you know, the, the perception, like or or the facts and the way the facts are built into a certain perception, that can make or break any situation. Yeah, and and that's really what they they're trying to get at here with Kenton and Dryle, I think. Right. Um, 
But let's talk about Chrysala, man. Yeah. We, we got to get into the Duchess of Drip. Uh, so she is from, uh, I'm going to pronounce it as Elis, the country that she comes from. Yeah, that's how I chose to do it as well. Yeah. And she is what they call a star a star carved. Um, and so we talked a little bit about the magic system earlier. So she has these kind of like magical tattoos. Like I said, we don't actually know what her power set is. But if I had to guess, um, she... Either the, her star marks give her long life, or she has found some other way of mm-hmm. obtaining that. Um, those definitely exist in the Cosmere, but that might we might have to might have to save that for the deep dive at the end. Gotcha. Because uh, uh, slightly, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that in the too spoilery for yeah. this part column. <laughs> um, Fair enough. So, yeah, as I said earlier, she is Cosmere-wide. So, in the universe, she is the most um, advanced scholar of magic. Um, she has documented, she has a, a book called the Ars Arcanum. Uh, this is basically the closest thing that exists to, like, a wizard spell book. Um, and where she has documented, basically, every magic system um, I really fucking wish I had brought another Cosmere book and could uh, show that mm. to you. Uh, you have to remind me to do that. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, in every single Cosmere book other than this one, there and, and this one now has a fuck ton of her notes in it, <laughs> uh, there is a section in the back where Chris Sala talks about the planet. Um, there's even a... Um, uh, a it's not an omni, but it's it's a collection of novellas and, and different little short stories. And it's called Arcanum Unbound. And it is basically written by Chrysala. The entire book is. And it's basically, you know, I went to this planet and then she'll, she'll talk about the intricacies and the unique things about that world and their magic system. And then there'll be the, like, novellas and short stories from that planet. So it's all, like... Um, really in-depth, like, in-world stuff from her. And um, she even, um, so I, I talked earlier a little bit about the cognitive realm. Uh, there's a, a city there called Silverlight, and she actually um, founds a university there after the events of this book. Oh. So, yeah, so huh. she, she goes on to do some very intricate shit, and I think her overall role in the Cosmere has yet to be seen, like, I think she has a lot left to do. So she is a very important character in the overall story of things. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, I can see it. But man, like just from reading this, because again, it's such a self-contained story. Like just reading this, I'm like, she leaves the planet? You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and this is kind of her origin, you know, okay, to an extent. Yeah. So, um, so you would say that this takes place before Oh, it definitely takes place before any of the shit I was just talking about, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I don't, off the top of my head... So there's not an official Cosmere timeline, per se. And the reason for that, uh, they are going to put one out. Uh, But um, the the reason they haven't is they don't want to redact it. So there's certain things that, like you know, may change in the very near future and they don't want to have to go back and, and, and retcon. So he's like, when we put the timeline out, that's going to be the gonna timeline. Be, that's fair. And if I had to, and and this is kind of rabbit hole, right? But 
Um, so next November, um, I'm going to Dragon's Deal Con for the release of Stormlight 5. And the reason that Stormlight 5 is such a huge deal is it is essentially... Um, so it's a couple things, right? So the Stormlight Archive is 10 books and a collection of novellas. Uh, and these are the monsters, right? These are all 1,000-plus mm, pages. Right. Uh, Stormlight 5 is going to be basically the end of Stormlight Volume 1. Um, it's going to be the first time we've had a Stormlight-era end. Um, and it basically represents the halfway mark of the Cosmere. So I think we're around 20 to 25 novels and novellas. Damn. And, and that will be the halfway mark. Um, so it, it, to say that it's the most important book yet, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I haven't read it yet. Obviously I wish I had, but yeah. I don't think that's an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, I mean, hell, even from someone who, you know, isn't familiar with the Cosmere, that sounds like a book of fucking epic proportions, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that shortly after that, we will get the timeline because I think mm-hmm. at that point, everything in the first half of the overarching story yeah. will be set in stone and then I think he can put the timeline out. Um, but looking at what I've got here, like just based on what we do know, uh, is that White Sand takes place uh, between Elantris, which is one of the earliest things in the Cosmere, uh, and before Mistborn. So we see Chrysala in the end. That's, yeah, that's not really a spoiler. Uh, at the end of uh, Mistborn Era 1, we actually see Chrysala doing Chrysala shit. So, it can't be very long gotcha. after this that she makes it off-world. Yeah. Um, and we know that she cannot return. So, uh, as far as like how she ends up making it off-world, who fucking knows? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I mean, man, it's interesting, right? Because this this book it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it all reads as one cohesive story. But at the same time, you also find yourself wondering so many questions, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, D- does she go back and overthrow the empire? We don't know, right? Yeah, it does I still don't fucking know? Yeah, I'm like, uh, I'm like, so are the uh, uh, are the Sandmasters like? Are they are these guys able to do their thing on on Dark Side? Right. Uh, and, does she and, figure that out? Yeah. Does she figure that out? Uh, <laughs> what the fuck would be on? You know. Well, and uh, she also, um, you know, one of her like major things that she's trying to do in current day is um, on Rashar, one of the forms of investiture is called Stormlight, and it's a very unique form of investiture. It's uh it's from the the honor shard. And uh she's trying to figure out how to get it off world because that's a thing that no one has figured out yet is how to actually get Stormlight out of Rashar. Um because they they want to trade it. They want to use it in, in other worlds. And it may be that she plans to come back to Taldane and use Stormlight to charge the sand on Dark Side. It's entirely oh. possible. Yeah. <laughs> so or she may just want to use it for stormlight things, which are considerable because you can fucking control gravity and stuff. So, Jeez. you know, uh, it's possible that, like, uh, her whole deal is that she wants to come back to Taldane and, like, defeat the Empire. But, I mean, it's got to have been hundreds of years at this point. 
Yeah, so, so that's what I was wondering too. Like that would take a, a lot of time, and you get the idea that time is really not on her side here. Right. Yeah. I if I had to guess, I think Elis probably gets destroyed, and she probably see, loses that fight and leaves the planet. See, that's also kind of what I was thinking, but. I also kind of feel like we're supposed to think that just because of how dire all the situations are here. Right. Because if you look at what, what her goal is here, Chrysalis, like what she has to do is such, it's a long shot to say the least, you know, right. she has to make the trek, you know, over to Dayside successfully. You know, she has to avoid the, the dangers and pitfalls of this new terrain. Uh, she has to get around the language barrier. She has to, Hopefully find these what she calls sand mages to see are they even fucking real? And if she even can find them, can she communicate with them and bring them back to Dark Side? Would they be willing to help? And then there's the whole thing with, with Kenton and now you know he he's he's leading the DM and, and there's you know and, and then he has his own struggles, like he has to uh you know, he has to convince um all the other uh what are they the called? Tyson. Yeah, all the other yeah, Tyson to vote for him. I should have made you a copy of this. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, you know, he has to, you know, convince the entire, uh, everyone else in the, in the Titian to, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to vote, to keep the DM alive. And it's a whole, it's a whole thing. And I'm like, even if, even if she does help Kenton succeed, is he going to have the resources to, dip, to, you know, part unto her. Right. And 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 if he does, will the the Sand Masters will they even be able to function outside right. of Dayside? Well and you know um you know not to get ahead of ourselves, but they take a bunch of sand with them. Yeah. And theoretically that sand has already been invested and it should work, but it can't I mean, can she figure out how to, how recharge, to recharge it over it. there? Yeah. That's the big question mark. Yeah. If anyone can fucking figure out, it is her. Oh, yeah. You know, because she figures out things about sand that these motherfuckers have been using it for thousands of years, right. years and don't know shit. Yeah. You know? I also get the idea that, man, they don't really, I'm, a, I'm not going to say that they don't care, but they never really thought to think about it. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I hate to make this fucking comparison because somebody's going to groan at it, but like, you know, it's the force and she's fucking discovered many chlorines. Right. I mean, that's really what it is. Here. Yeah. You know, but they're looking at it as a religion, and she's mm -hmm. like, no, it's fucking science. Yeah. And then she's just like, I wonder how much fucking science there is out there. And then she goes and finds out. Right. Um, so the other major character that I, we got to talk about here is is Ace. Um, yeah. She comes along pretty late in the story. Yeah, and when they first introduced her, I was like, what kind of fucking incredible Hulk fucking character we got here? Like... <laughs> Because I was waiting on her to just go completely ape shit or, like, transform <laughs> into a monster or, you know, something. Um, I mean, yeah, she's a... Uh, I, uh, I dug this character a lot here, and... I didn't think so when they introduced her. I was like, I'm not going to fucking like this person. So, you know, I... Kenton didn't need another antagonist and at first this is kind of what she poses as yeah. you know um even though you know she has to kind of be his protector you know yeah uh but you know we do kind of get a, a, a retelling of you know the the story where okay maybe the enemy isn't as bad as i perceived you know and 
I, you know, in, in the beginning, like I, I think she was interesting to me because she was, it was such a conflict of interest, you know, that character, because technically, you know, she's not doing anything wrong. She's upholding her duty, you know, but at the same time, she is just so antagonistic towards who up until this point has been like our main protagonist. Right. You know, and so how do, how am I supposed to take this character? Yeah. And and I like that I had that confliction. And she's getting, you know, Kenjin's getting attacked, and she's like, I wish they would fucking kill him. Right. But I have to protect him. That's yeah. my fucking duty. And she's, you know, and he, he right off the rip is like, so you were sitting here to spy on me. Mm-hmm. You know? And and she's so conflicted about her entire life, right? Like, she oh, has yeah. this entire concept of, you know, duty versus her family and uh, her own well-being and her own, like, peace, mm-hmm. which she has none of. Uh, right. For sure. But, um, you know, and, and like uh, also like balancing her religion against all of that stuff. Yeah. Because she's very devout. And I I like the, you know, the holes that he, you know, the, the kind of like where he's just kind of poking holes in like real religions, you mm-hmm. know, here, um, you know, where he's just like, like Ace is this person who's full tilt indoctrinated and she believes all the like we're the good guys stuff mm-hmm. you know there's parts in here where she's like well yeah no i mean they would never do that because uh that's not according to the teachings in our holy book or whatever right. and you know anybody who's a part of this religion is a good guy yeah and you know she comes to see the the flaws in that and like the way that it gets used to you know manipulate people mm-hmm yeah, it's, it's it's like uh, I mean, it's just to use uh, an example here. Like if you get like a super fundamentalist fundamentalist Christian, you know, who who's taught certain ideas about the way that people operate in the uh, secular world, you know, and they right. come across, you know, uh, someone who's agnostic or atheist, they may be taught that those people are, you know, they're they, bad. Yeah, they're bad. Yeah. And I mean, but what what if what if that bad person you know, saves your life or you know, saves your family and, and and doesn't do it for any ulterior motives? But you get the idea that this person is doing it because I mean, this is the right thing to do, right? You know, that that kind of plays a conflict of, of interest because you're supposed to hate that person, but here you are now, and this person <laughs> just did you a solid. I, I'm sure that Brandon wasn't using this character to to, to poke at Mormonism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm certain that that wasn't his intent. See, and you know that's that's the crazy thing, right? Because especially after having read this, just like the smallest bit of his work, I'm like, this man wants to leave Mormonism so bad. Like, <laughs> well, actually, you know, I think the I, I actually don't think that's true. I actually hmm. think that the DM is actually meant um, almost as a. A symbol for that. Yeah, yeah. you know, you know, that does make sense too. I yeah. think, I think Brandon wants to change it. Yeah, rather than leave it. You know, yeah, that, uh, yeah, that that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, that's. I think that is kind of what he had in mind when he was. Yeah, when he was creating the DM. Yeah, know? yeah, I, I, I get that. It has, it hasn't gone well. <laughs> they fucking really hate him over Right. There. Yeah. And the irony is he's like the most famous Mormon person. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. It's especially like the ones who are like actively and, and, and attending. 
Donny Osmond, he's never really done but since, you know, the Mulan song. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and, and Sanderson has, not really in this book because it's an early work, but, mm-hmm. you know, he has trans characters in his, in his works. Oh, that's a big no-no for, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, ha- he has gay characters um, and, um, you know, and, and a lot of things about that is like, that is never, and this is the thing that he is so good with. It doesn't matter what aspect, what like societal like n- uh, niche that the character fits in. Do they have a disability? Uh, are they autistic? Uh, are they gay? Are not that that's a disability, but it, it's a it's a a trope slash characteristic, right? Are they trans? Are they gender fluid? Uh, anything like that, right? Are they um, asexual? Mm-hmm. That is never their character. Right. You know? And I think that's so important. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the novellas, um, uh, if I couldn't think of the name of this, uh, <laughs> I would never forgive myself. Uh, Dawn, <laughs> Dawn Shard actually follows two characters. Both of them have very heavy disabilities. Um, one of them is about a girl named Risen, and uh, she's paralyzed from the waist down. Mm. Uh, and then the other one is a character named Lopin, uh, who is missing an arm. We, Kay and I kind of went back and forth about this. Mm-hmm. We're not really sure where the arm stops. We need uh, a, yeah, we like need them yeah. to clarify right, right. how much nub is there. Yeah, like, is it, like, is it actually, like, is it, is it like here, yeah. or is it, like, yeah. here? Forearm, you know, I need to know, yeah. I need to see yeah. on the, I need a chart. <laughs> right. Um, or a percentage, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know it's it's great because they're both super beloved characters right. that have all these different aspects to them that have nothing to do with those characteristics, right? And and that's one of the things that he's super well known for. Yeah, you know, um, and you don't really see it in this book either. But well, I guess, I guess in this book, a lot of it is more based around like religion. You can see all right. these parallels with religion here. Um, but you know, a lot of the things he likes to do too is like poke fun at like, um, societal norms or tropes or Mm -hmm. constructs. Um, for example, uh, on Rashar, there is, uh, the Voran religion and they all, uh, or it's really more society. Uh, it is a religion, but it's, it's more of a societal construct. Um, kind of like, uh, you know, the fucking evangelicals in the U.S., right? Like, yeah. How based on a religion really is that? You right. know? It's like you guys got that book, but you're not really going by it, right? Yeah. You know? And and it also leans back to tradition and and why is that so important? Yeah, you know? yeah. And and you know, in in their religion um, or, or their society, like men don't read. Yeah. Uh, also, women's left hands are super sexualized. <laughs> like, like they wear um, the 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 fancy women. Their dresses have what's called a, a safe pouch. So it's basically like a, a long sleeve mm. that covers their hand. Yeah, and kind of your middle or lower class. Um, they wear a glove, but like a, a woman's left hand is super ultra sexualized. It's called their safe hand. Hey man, dog. I don't know if you've ever seen any uh, any bare woman hands, but that shit, especially the left one. The right one. I mean, I, I can give or take. Yeah, but that left one. But they have all these like super strict, weird as fuck traditions, and he uses yeah. that to like, you know, to kind of to contrast with our society of like these are dumb fucking things that yeah. we 
care way too much about. And, um, and it's great. But the unfortunate part is the people who need to... To, to read see, this whenever will. Well, well, yeah. well, well, even if they do, they're so deep in their way of thinking that the hypocrisy is lost on them. They'd right. be like, well, that's so that's dumb. And, yeah. and not even get that they're doing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's like a, the neo-Nazi that likes Star Wars, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is a one-to-one comparison right. to you. Even in the sequel trilogy, the 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 First Order are, are neo-Nazis. Right. It's like, these people have the same shitty beliefs that the old Empire did, mm-hmm. but they're also incompetent fucks. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> right. That's like the one thing in the sequel trilogy where the symbolism actually like matches up. Like it's actually worth something. That is true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hitler's dead and gone, but man, people still want to follow this guy. Yeah. 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 And they're all morons. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's just right. like, what the fuck? You know? So that, that's one of the things that he's always been so good at here. And I think that, uh, that was really present throughout this whole story where you could easily contrast what was happening and see parallels in our society and in our world. And that's always really important with fantasy, right? Because that's oh yeah. That's what anchors it to reality. Right. Yeah. It's it's and, and that's like the the mark of, of just a good storyteller, right? And a good storytelling period is and and shout out to the homie Joe. This is something like he and I like uh not argue, but we, we debated about uh, when he was last on the podcast. And actually, I think we had this conversation off mic, like after it was over, you know, just talking about uh, the difference between like settings. And like for him, he likes a, a, a real world setting. And I was like, there's no difference between like, like Marvel's New York or DC's Gotham City, you know? Right. It's, it's the same thing. But uh, and like the point I was trying to get at though is that it's, it's not about how fantastical a person may seem. I said, Thor is one of the most relatable characters you can find in comic books. And he's a God, you know, but it's, it's not his powers that make him relatable. It's who he is and how he falls and, and his shortcomings and how he overcomes those things. That's what makes him so human. That's what makes him so personable, you know? So it's, it's how you're able to translate people and, and not so much uh, how you're able to, uh, imitate what you think people are, you know? Right. Exactly. And I think a lot of the things with these like fantastical settings, um, is it's so interesting to see that it doesn't like, and that's kind of like one of the points here is, you know, Roshar like is nothing like our world. Mm-hmm. Taldane is so far from being anything like earth. Um, but, it's irrelevant because the characters are there mm. and the, the setting while the setting is awesome and it plays into the story at the end of the day, you have interesting characters or you don't. Right. And, uh, and we do here. Yeah. Which was really fucking nice. Um, I want to talk about some of the minor characters and then we'll get into the major plot lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have Arik. Yeah. Uh, who's like K- Kenton's childhood friend. Yep. I um I I actually really fucking liked this character by the end of the book. Yeah, so I I really liked him too. Uh I I did have like a minor kind of gripe uh and it was I guess the gripe was I I get it. 
You know, like I understand what the arc here is with him, and I think it's really good. But this is one of those cases where, like, I think that you can just let the artwork tell more of that story than the written dialogue. Like, I, I don't really necessarily need to see so many people talk about how they've seen this shift in Eric now, you know? Yeah. Like, I, think I agree. J- just in, like, his visual demeanor, how he's drawn, you see he has changed from how he was in just the previous chapters. There is some of that, and I noticed that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually read, like, the last chapter today. Okay, yeah. And, yeah, there's definitely where... There, there's that scene where he goes ape shit, which yeah. was awesome. Yes. And then everybody's like, did you see Art go ape shit? <laughs> Art's really different, man. He wasn't like that a minute ago. And there's, like, a couple pages yeah. of that. Yeah. And, like, Chrysala's like, hey, did you see your fr- childhood friend Art? <laughs> He's acting really fucking weird, bro. And I was like, yeah, man, we get it. You know, I, I feel like that was really, like, heavy-handed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it didn't hurt the moment, but I was no. just like, "Can we? You know, we know. Yeah, can we? You know." And and I love that that once again Sanderson uses the trope against us here mm-hmm. because it's like, "Oh, my childhood friend has suddenly returned as soon as all this bad shit happens." Right, and and, and they kind of you know make you lean towards it's going to be Arik, man. He's yeah. going to be the dick bag. But I I was so worried about the vote, you know, especially because he doesn't <laughs> yeah. do anything, right? You know, yeah, and. Like, uh, he's, he's comic relief for the first two acts. Oh, yeah. And he yeah. was great comic well, relief, too. Well, even, like, one of the times that we, you kind of see him earlier on in the book with uh, when he shows up around the same time as Ace. And it's like, oh, well, this guy is clearly talented. Like, yeah. But uh, also very whimsical, you know? Yeah. I love the, the restaurant. Where oh, yeah. Where they, he's getting fucking assassinated, and he's just trying to Oh, eat, yeah, just trying to eat. You know? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's like, I'm definitely giving this place a terrible review. Right. It's not, you know. Uh, I love that. Um, he was great comment relief. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, Bayon is another character that I thought was really interesting here. Yeah. Um, he kind of starts off as that, uh, you know, once again, kind of tropey. He's the stern bodyguard mm-hmm. who's like, you know, he's like the Alfred... He's yeah. like, you got to be careful of this, got to be careful of that, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is not afraid to blast a motherfucker. Oh, he will blast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he 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 needs his own Danny DeVito meme. Oh, yeah. Like, so I started blasting. <laughs> uh, man, what you think about, like, his arc here? Uh, did you did you see this coming? or? Um, it's interesting, right, like, to see where his loyalty is. Mm-hmm. I uh, I always thought that he would be back. Um, the interesting thing, like where you know he's got the pistols, where she observes, like, oh hey, these are these specific guns, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of like he he doesn't bullshit her. Yeah, he immediately comes clean. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did this shit, mm-hmm. and this is what I was here for. And I had to go back and reread that because I was like. If I just read it the way I think I read that, he has her dead to rights. Yeah. And, and, and but yeah, uh, and then Chrysala recognizes that. Yeah. You know? And I, I don't think he was going to pull the trigger on her. I don't think so either. Because he wasn't sent there to assassinate her. Right. He was sent there to make sure that the Sandmasters weren't going to be a problem for the Empire. Yeah. And once he's done that, he's like, well, that duty is, is fulfilled. Right. I'm not bound by it any longer. 
And uh, I love that he came back around. And we kind of, the book, into the book seems to imply that he actually can use the sand. Oh, it heavily implies that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, motherfucker. Because yeah. honestly, man, if there's ever a sequel to this, I could see this motherfucker like using sand and guns. Oh, yeah. And probably doing some of that shit that Kenton pulled, but like way more efficiently. Yes. Um, what if he just has like one giant ribbon? Dude, uh, like honestly, that is that is horrifying. That, that actually, um, that would put him up there with some of the Cosmere's most creative killers. So, and that's a tall order. Oh, um, and then uh, I don't want to go through them all, but we yeah. have the the Titian, mm-hmm. and most of them play a, you know, they play roles of like varying degree, right? Like, yeah. I think the person we see the most is probably the judge, uh, Helis. Yeah, Helis. Um, well, the uh, well, uh, obviously the Lord Masterful is who we spend the most time with. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, kids. yeah. Uh, but I was gonna say the uh, the general. Ah, uh, no, uh, uh, Raj. The uh, the, uh, the admiral. Admiral. Yeah. Uh, Delius. Delius. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his arc was fucking awesome. It was. I did not that, see that shit coming at all. Yeah, I was like, because you get the idea that there's something going on with the guy, but I never could piece together what it could have been. Yeah, and he's got this whole, like, fucking Count of Monte Cristo arc. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 1,000%. And he just, I, I loved. So, Sanderson is so famous for what we call the Sander Lanch, which is, he tends to, in the last 10 to 20% of the book, just fucking snatch the rug out from under you. Mm-hmm. And either he snatches the rug out from under you or, like, the that, that last portion of the book is just nonstop. Reveal, reveal, yeah. action, reveal. And that's how it is in this. Yeah. Like, those last three or four chapters are fucking insane. Oh, absolutely. Um, And it doesn't feel rushed. Yeah. Uh, it feels like a natural conclusion to things. But, you know, third acts are easily like Hollywood's weak point. Yeah. But it is so interesting that they're they're his strong suit. Right. Yeah, because uh, I think I was even telling you this uh, around the time that I was finishing it. Like, man, like it, the way it ends is just so, like, so well-paced. And I mean, it's just like, it's, it's like a roller coaster if it has nothing but, like, up. Upward trajectory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah, that's the yeah. Sandra Lanch, my yeah. friend. And it, and it fucking, it it did not disappoint in this book. I mean, it, it's hard to put it down in, in that oh, last it is. volume. You know? Yeah. And it's it's crazy to think in the original editions that, like, that's where they fuck most of the art up. Oh. You know? <laughs> um, Yeah. Uh, the, the Tyson, though... Uh, we spend various amounts. Like I thought that Vey had a good arc. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the stuff with um, the the Lord General, um, yeah. uh, yeah, Rx Dad, Rx Dad. The yeah. way he fucking went out was awful, dude. Oh, god damn, that was. Yeah, imagine your eyelids cut off on like a terrible scarecrow DMT trip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically, and like it doesn't it doesn't uh, help that you know on this side of the planet. Uh-huh. Darkness is not something that they experience. Right. So just imagine that it's daytime for your entire life. 
and then all of a sudden, like, you're in darkness. They're all horrified. Oh, yeah. It'd be terrifying for them. Yeah. So this man gets tied up, Mm -hmm. poisoned, has his eyelids cut off, and basically, uh, he, he basically, like, uh, scarecrowed himself to death, or well, got scarecrowed to death, right? Uh, with the uh, hallucinogenics, essentially, and ba- he basically had a living nightmare until he, yeah. until he died. Yeah, and they're exactly. just telling how long it took, right? And I'm like, that is fucking awful. Yeah, yeah. And like, and the whole time, like, they're, they're talking about you know, like what ha- must have happened to him. I'm like, isn't Arik right there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, the fuck? Yeah, I had the same thought, man. Uh, some of them, though, like the Lord Mason, they did not have shit for this no. motherfucker to do. Lord Farmer, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, although, I do want to talk about the Lord Beggar, which is Nilto. Oh, now this was interesting. This was really cool. Yeah. Uh, I did not see that shit coming with it being with him her. With being given? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was so that cool. That shit, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was cool, too. Uh, especially considering that, you know... Like it, it really made me want to go back and, and reread their first meeting, you know, because I'm sure there was super, uh, there was some context clues dropped there. Yeah, you know, but now yeah. when he called her Chris later on, I yeah. did pick up on that. Okay, because she mentions it earlier when Kenton, uh-huh. because you know I've called her Chris forever. Yeah, uh, so it was interesting being here, and she's like, "Oh yeah, um, only my fiance would call me that or whatever," and I was like, "Huh." And, uh, you know, I didn't know if they were going to call her Chrysala for the whole book or not until I got to that part. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so some of the plot lines that we have here are really fucking cool. Um, so let's talk about the kind of, so we have the leader of the nation of Kurzta which is where Ace is from. She mm-hmm. practices that religion. Uh, and this is who they basically, early on in the book, assassinate the Diem. Yep. They, they have this mass assassination of what they believe are all the most powerful Sandmasters. Um, they overwhelmingly kill them. They order 66 these motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they are constantly hunting Kenton, Throughout the entirety of the book, um, what did you think about this, like about that arc and and how it resolves? Yeah, so I thought that I, I enjoyed it uh, as a whole, but for me, the conclusion was much more satisfying than the premise of it. Right. Um, you know, like I, I get the idea. Yeah, like you know all the. You know, all these sand masters, like they're just being decimated right now. But the uh, the reveal that okay, why were so many of them um, ineffective? Yeah, yeah. Like, why, why were they burning out so quickly? Yeah. You know, why were they overmastering so much? And and we, and then come to find out, there is a reasoning for that, and there's a person behind that, and. It is not who you expect it is. Whatever you guys may think it is, it's not who you expect it is. Expect it to yeah. be. And, and you know, we're full tilt spoilers for White Sand at this point. So yeah, um, yeah. When it when it, I started to suspect Ellerin when he put him in charge of running shit. Really? Yeah. When 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 he's like, yeah, uh, I don't have time to take care of shit around here. Yeah. I need you to do it. That was about the time 
Because he said something like, well, he's the most trusted guy here. I was mm-hmm. like, eh. See, I, I would have fell for that shit, too. I was like, yeah. I'm like, Ellen was great. Like, I, just- <laughs> I, I was right there, but there was yeah. just something about that shit that was just like, you know, it just felt like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, we'll fucking put this guy in charge, you know. And mm-hmm. I was like, this shit seems... I don't, I don't know. Like that, that's when I that's I mean, when I, I started to smell it. Well, I was like, man, poor Eleanor. Like he's also overmastered. He can't use his powers. And like, man, <laughs> but he's still trying to, you know, work for the DM. Like, man, what a guy. Right. Yeah. He got to <laughs> climb up those fucking ladders yeah. every day. I love that they were like coming to him with all that like fucking really specific bullshit. All right. So how many how many steps should we put on the ladder? Because if it's just twelve, <laughs> it might not. Is there'll be like a bigger step, but if there's 13, then it's too many. He's yeah. like, I gotta get the fuck out of yeah. here right now. <laughs> um, so I, I want to pause there and mm-hmm. ask you this because I know you're such an action person. Yeah, what do you think about the action in this book? Extremely creative, right? So when you see the uh, like the ribbons in use, um, for the first time, you're like, wow, that's really, really cool. I think in the hands of like lesser writers or lesser artists that can, can get still pretty quickly, even still like once the, uh, you know, once kind of the, the allure of uh, the uniqueness of that kind of fighting wears off, but it's the creativity that really makes this so cool to see, uh, because you kind of wonder, okay, how is Kenton going to overcome these odds? You know, when uh, he has one ribbon, and, you know, people who have several times more than him are, you know, out here doing things that Kitten should not be able to do. And, and so the creativity comes in, okay, how do we, how can we sell to the reader that this guy who has a fraction of power that some of these other guys have can do similar feats, you know? And it, it's the Batman thing. It's skill yeah. versus power. Yeah. You know? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And and again, like that that kind of awareness of characterization is really what kind of continuously drew me into the story. Like even when we get to uh, you know, the Kenton versus Drow fight, you know, he he, he had, spoiler alert, he now has five ribbons at this point. Right. Like, holy shit. I'm like, man, that's like five times as many as you started off with. But Draw has five times as many as you have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, he tries to utilize the five ribbons to, to win the fight, and he's getting his ass whooped. Yeah, because he tries, he, he tries to, to, to be something he's not, right? He yeah. tries to go power for power. Right. And then he eventually realizes that, like, his mastery, no pun intended, uh, well, fuck it, pun intended, yeah. <laughs> uh, is what's going to let him win this. Yeah. Because it, he's efficient. Right. You know, this motherfucker's burning through his fucking sand or through his water. Mm-hmm. And we really didn't talk about the water aspect of it. But, right. You know, water is the way that they focus the uh, the sand or the investiture in, in, the, in this magic system. And, and that's kind of what limits you from being just a fucking god who can just, like, summon the goddamn desert. Right. You know, um, you only got so much water. And... Uh, you know, he, he he's like, I could keep this shit up forever. Mm-hmm. You got twenty five ribbons over there. Yeah, you about to you about to be thirst. Right. He's like, I could do this shit for hours with my yeah. one. It with this my one, yeah. and that's what he ends up resorting to, yeah. like his one, because that is what he's good. That's what got him 
so skilled in the first place is learning how to utilize just the one that he had. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Moral of the story, don't dish the girl that got you to the dance. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I loved the scene with the table where he's fighting the guys that have the... um, I forget what it's called, but they, is it Terzin? Oh, the Tur- the, uh, the arrows. Yeah, they yeah. have the arrows that are resistant to the sand, and yeah. their armor is resistant to the sand. And he's like, okay, but uh, that don't protect you from, like, bludgeoning damage. Right, yeah. And then he fucking <laughs> hits them with the table. Yeah. Oh, my God, I love that scene. That was maybe my favorite action scene. Um, I also love like the in, the very interesting ways we see him use his his ribbon mm-hmm. uh, early on when he's running the uh, the maestral's trial yep. or whatever, and and they they subverted expectations with that too because that's one of those things where you're like he's gonna fail it and then later on in the book he's gonna come back and mm-hmm. do it, but like he's already at the point where he can do it. Yeah, even to the point where there's a giant fucking monster at the end. Right. You know, and he still overcomes that shit. Oh yeah. You know. And doesn't he find like an extra one that most people have just missed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He ends up like destroying the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, and there was just some really creative ways that they use the environment and stuff like that in the in the action in in this book. And I, I was I was really thrilled by it. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it's like the uh, from a creative standpoint, the possibilities are only limited to the imagination of the writer or the artist. You know. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, that, that's what I, I really enjoyed about, you know, specifically, uh, you know, like the, the sand mastery in this in this book was how they utilized that. But, man, I thought that all the action in, in this was, was pretty good, to be honest with you. Like, uh, I, I like seeing uh, Ace. I like seeing her fight. Same thing with Arik when he let loose. Like, that was really cool to see. Um, Stay so. on, seeing him fucking blast people. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> I also really love that scene where um, where Kenton picked up the guns. Oh with yeah, the sand and yeah, like, used that, that shit. That was one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, yeah. that was one of my favorites. Um, um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, one of the coolest and, and I think most unique arcs here is, you know, the Sandmasters get uh, eradicated and like Kenton becomes the Lord Masteral and it's just like, oh okay, you know. Cool. Didn't I, I figured that might have happened at the end the or end, something, yeah. you know? And then come to find out that the uh, the Tyshin are gonna use this to dismantle the the Sandmaster. So it's like they are gonna kick the shit out of you while you're already down. Yeah. And I thought that this arc was so unique in storytelling because this is not typically how it would go. Right. Typically, you know, Dryal would have showed up. And been like, no, I'm the real guy. Mm-hmm. You know, well, nobody saw them promote you, so I'm the real Sandmaster. Yeah. And then it would have been him. And then Kenton would have spent the whole rest of the story like trying to get his fucking Eye of the Tiger moment yeah. to fight Dryal, you know? All right. And I'm so glad that it didn't go that way. Same. Same. Because not to say that wouldn't have been great. Yeah. But we've seen it. Yeah, exactly. Like a hundred times. Right. And, and, uh, and I mean, so in, in a odd twist of things, like it ends up being. A, uh, a a political action thriller, you know, right? And yeah. and most of these characters, the the Tyson, the the ones that they focus on anyway, were so unique, mm-hmm. and and they weren't like they they weren't uh, stereotypes or, or tropey like you would think. Like yeah, you know, we've got the the Lord Admiral Adelius, and we talked about how his arc was so fucking cool, 
you know, you would think this guy's just a fucking sloppy drunk, whatever, and right. it's just going to go that route. Um, or with the Lord General or whatever, you would think that he's going to be the tough guy, soldier, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And really, they just kind of, in the good way, subvert expectations with, with all of them. I think the only exception would be like Vey, mm-hmm. who, you know, the the secret of like the debt or whatever, yeah. I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, and Vey is who you th- who you, exactly who you think he is when you first meet him. Mm-hmm. But it really wouldn't make any sense for him to be anybody else because he's the head of the fucking guild, right? You know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What's the, what's the name of the currency again? Uh, shit, lax. Is it lax? Yeah, yeah, lax. Yeah, lax. I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, yeah, but like five million, five million of them bitches. Yeah, <laughs> like goddamn dog. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is a lot. And, yeah. was, and and you know, Kenton really is placed in like what what looks like an impossible scenario from so many right. directions, but it actually turns out like really awesome and it doesn't feel plot armory or that he has like fucking protagonist syndrome or anything, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's like they thankfully avoid that. But I mean honestly, like in the hands of a lesser writer, it would have absolutely been that, you know. Well, thankfully we had Fucking Brandon Sanders, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, I I liked uh, Ace's little side plot here. Mm-hmm. The uh, the search for uh, Sherizan. Yeah, Sherizan. I did see this coming. I saw this coming too. Yeah, because I was like, Tane is not on screen enough. Yeah, and I knew it wasn't when when they revealed that um, uh, Gelbin yeah. was the was actually uh-huh. Milto. I was like, he he can't be both Gelbin and Sherizan. I'm yeah. like, yeah, ain't no fucking way. And yeah. for a minute, I thought it might actually have been um, uh, the Lord General. You know, oh, when, they, okay. when they do that reveal. Yeah, oh yeah, me too. I thought that was a possibility. But I was like, well, Tane is at least working for that motherfucker then. Yeah, because it just it seems so like, you know, it, it's like as soon as they pulled Ace off of the investigation. All of a sudden, this motherfucker can just do whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, he's got help at a minimum. Yeah. But it turns out he just is this dude. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it's not to say that it wasn't effective. Uh, it, th- this would have bugged me if they had tried to unnecessarily spend more time with it or drag it out, you know. Yeah. But because they don't and they just kind of get to the reveal, I'm like, okay. This is what I thought it was, but the pacing on this is still really good, and we're getting to the resolution. So, well, and the last thing that anybody would have suspect suspected was that she was going to be friends with a sandmaster. Oh yeah, yeah, and and you know she, and she knew it. Like Ace, she knew that she was almost fucked. You yeah, know? Uh, you know she, whether it was a hundred percent on purpose or not, you know she was placed in a. Uh, Kind of a dark night Joker. It was position. felt very much like that, <laughs> and, and and she, you know, she she made a decision, and she's like, "Oh no, I may have just fucked my family." Yeah, uh, and she would have had Kenton not, you know, thought ahead and and been there. It was interesting to see this very, like, tame, like just very like at least from an outward perspective. Like mm-hmm. we we get her inner monologue, so we know that she's conflicted. Yeah, but. Outwardly, she's so like in control. Oh yeah, 
this whole time. And as soon as she gets hit with this impossible scenario, she's just completely out of sorts. Yeah. You know, and it was interesting to see that, you know, where she's like not in control at all and right. just loses her shit. Um, I, I thought that that was great. And yeah, they, they, I'm glad they didn't spend too much time on it. Like they had the reveal and then the resolution mm-hmm. And really, her arc here is more to do with her relationship with Kenton than it is, the, you know, this whole side arc for her is really just a, a facilitator of that. Yeah. You know? Um. So let's talk about Chris's kind of main plot here, because she's here to find the sand mages, which is really <laughs> ends up yeah. being a, a really funny moment in the book. Right. The fuck is a mage? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know this word. Um. And she's got one all along, which is. Pretty funny, but yeah. it was interesting to me that we, you know, we see her fulfill her mission at the end, mm-hmm. um, and they're on the boat, and uh, they got the sand, and she's got some sand masters, and they've got Hoyd with them too, unbeknownst to her, probably <laughs> at this point. And that dude is fucking insane. Um, he also interesting for him is like one of his abilities is that um, he goes places or knows when to be somewhere for significant events to happen. Mm. So the first time you see him in the book is when the Taishin originally have the vote, like early on. Um, He's there. And then you don't see him again until the end. So uh, he doesn't necessarily know why he needed to be on Taldane, until he see, gets there and sees the major event happen. Um, but, yeah, so he's on the ship hmm. with them. So, obviously, like, I think that there's going to be some kind of story to what happens. Yeah. Here. But I, I think the whole her whole journey here was really interesting because you think at the beginning of the book there's going to be some kind of conclusion right. to this whole, like, her country versus the Empire thing. But the book never really does that, but she still has a really satisfying arc at the same time. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and that is the interesting thing, right? Uh, because I think that in a weird way, the book works better for that. Like, even though I don't know if we'll ever get like a, a graphic novel follow up to this, but uh, it, it creates the curiosity for it, which is always good, you know? And, at the same time, the story does still leave off at a place that makes sense. Like this feels like, at least it not the end of a story, but the end of a of a significant chapter. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, Isaac is familiar enough with this material, and like the care that he showed in getting this omnibus together. I would be completely okay with Isaac writing a sequel. Yeah. Um, because Brandon having time to do that in the near future is... Unlikely. Yeah, very unlikely, because um, next year he has Stormlight 5 coming out, and in the gap between Stormlight 5 and 6, he's already committed to an, a Mistborn uh, Era 3 trilogy. Good grief. <clears throat> um, so that would be Mistborn 9, 10, 11. And then also a sequel to uh, Elantris, possibly... And a sequel to Warbreaker, which we haven't talked about at all, um, that is really hot, hotly anticipated. Um, so, you know, and that's just like the stuff he's planning. Yeah. That doesn't include the random shit he's going to write just because he is who he is. Which is just, 
<laughs> that shit is so insane. Like the man writes so much, and then it's like, you know, I got this other thing. I'm, I'm going ahead and write. And write. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what he does. Is like when he gets like writer's block, he just writes something else. <laughs> you know, he loves to write books. It's like his his thing. So basically, you're saying that he's he's like George R. R. Martin. Like those two are basically like same person in terms of work rate. At what point do we start calling GRRM a former writer? Because <laughs> I would be willing to bet you I've written more this year than he has. God damn it, man. <laughs> I would put a paycheck on that, on that bet. You know, at first that sounded like no, but then I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. A hundred percent you have. Yeah. Um, you got anything else to say about this before I uh, I just warn people and go and, and go off the fucking rails? Uh, just a, a few little things here. Uh, one, I, I really like how they handled the uh, the language barrier. First of all, I love that there was a language barrier, and I love how they wrote around it. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? That they would not all speak the same fucking language. Uh, I love also that. With the uh, with the with the notes that take place at the end of each chapter, how they're there to enhance the story, or to give you more lore or, or information on the world, and it's there if you want it. But if you if you choose to not read it for whatever reason, it's not going to hurt the story either. Uh, but know, also with that language gap thing, yeah. I also love how. They'll do the things where it's like, yeah, this person has to translate. Yeah. And then they'll be like, with them translating. With them translating this then, is what they, yeah. Yeah, and they don't, they don't fuck around with yeah. it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you were saying. You know, I I also really appreciated that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then that's why I said, like, I'm glad it's there and I'm glad they handled it the way they did. Yeah. You know? I don't think that shit was going to be good for 90 minutes. Yeah, no. <laughs> this book would be like twice as thick if they did that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to double all the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was really happy that uh, they chose to not make Crystalla like a, a sandmaster. Yep. I was like, I don't think she needs this. Uh, I'm like, she's so unique and intelligent and interesting all, her, all, all on her own. I'm like, this is just, in the words of Jim Cornette, putting a hat on a hat at that point. Maybe one of her star mark powers gives her infinite drip. <laughs> that makes sense. Like, she's always drawn immaculately. Like, she just dripped out every time. I love that scene where, like, it, like right when everyone, like, got murdered. Oh, yeah. And she's in the middle of the desert. And yeah. And she just walks into the tent looking fly as fuck. Right. And you're just like, is this necessary? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, another twist I did not see coming. Again, slight spoiler alert. Kind of major spoiler alert. The, uh, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, the actual assassin who was trying to kill Chris, uh, Chris Yeah, he was, he was a professor. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember his name either. Uh, but, um, I didn't. I didn't see that shit coming. No, me either. I thought he was on the up and up. I, I, I thought something was going to be up with him when he, like, super accurate shot that dude. Uh-huh. But that was, like, right before the reveal. Yep. I was like, this supposed to be this guy's first time shooting a gun? Right. <laughs> and he just rolled a 20? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm keeping my eye on you. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's all I got, though, man. Like, this was, yeah, I, I had a blast, like, reading this from top to bottom. And this is one of those books that I know that when I do read it again, I'm like, motherfucker, I should have seen that coming. You so, know? so I have two questions for you, yeah, two okay. hot seat questions, before I just go off the rails here and talk about some shit. Okay. Uh, number one, where, where, where would you rank this out of ten? Where, where are you scoring this? Ooh. You should have known. I should have seen this coming. I should have. Yeah. And 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 you can do this, and I can't because if I score this, then I have to score everything else in the cosmos in my head and compare it. Oh, that that I would can't do that. That would cause you to like malfunction. You know, probably would. <laughs> well, like I I know what the ten, there's a ten, um, and then I have to just figure it out. Oh, from there. okay. Well, at least you know what your ceiling is. You can kind of yeah. Yeah, the ceiling is a 10. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think right now, if I had to... If I had to review the book as a whole, on a scale of 1 to 10... I think I'd probably give it a... I want to say, say like an 8-4... My first read. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like this was. Like this was. Everything that a book like this. I think needs to be. And this is coming from someone who has never read anything else in the Cosmere. You know. So. There's plenty of lore in this. But not so much. That. I can't keep up with what's going on. Uh, They. There's plenty of characters, but they do a great job of kind of funneling the characters. So you always know which ones to pay more attention to. Uh, They do a great job with all the different story threads and beats. The action is great. Uh, They leave you wanting more. I mean, it does everything it needs to do. Uh, So, yeah, I I had a blast with this one. I, I, I can't imagine that they just leave it there. I'm pretty sure they probably have to do something more with it. Like you said earlier, though, it may or may not be with Dynamite unless they have some kind of contract. Yeah. <clears throat> My follow-up question is more okay. more juicier. Oh, boy. So having read this and having experienced the storytelling, can I get you either in audio or video, video or either in audio or, or text format to give Miss Born a try? Okay, so I knew this was coming. You should have known this. One. I I knew this was coming since you said, "Hey man, I got this book. I want you to." <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the this is the free sample. From yeah, the drug dealer. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was a missionary who got people to read books and then ask them questions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So here's here's my answer to that, and that is, yes. Now, the issue is that while audio format would probably be the most reasonable, considering like my line of work, my, Michael Kramer, uh, who does the original Mistborn trilogy, is so good. Um, I I think that especially like the later stuff. Um, where you get in a stormlight and it's him and his wife and they alternate. Um, 
the the female point of view characters, she does those chapters, and he does the male point of view chapters. Um, to me, like certain audiobook narrators, I I can't, I just can't. Mm. But I think Michael Kramer is the best. Yeah. Uh, the only exception to that would probably be it's actually another Brandon Sanderson work. It's not in the Cosmere, but he has a Skyward series that's a little more YA than this is. Because mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't consider this even remotely YA, but Skyward is definitely like the main character is like a 13 year old girl or gotcha. 15 or something. But the audiobook narrator for that shit, it's, in, it's written in first person, and um, she has an amazing fucking tone that just like really nails it for that story. It wouldn't work for this. Um, but yeah, I mean, but I, I think Michael Kramer's the best at it. So Yeah. So my my only so like here's the whole layout though. Cause I I've I have actually been thinking about this for quite some time because I kinda knew it was coming. Right. Yeah. So audiobook would be the most palatable, most reasonable way for me to consume Mistborn or any book, to be honest with you. Right. But, as you may or may not be able to tell, I prefer to read physical. Right. <laughs> I do, too. I can't yeah. read on my phone. I can't oh, do it. Oh, no, I can't. I, yeah. Even on tablets, I can't. I mean, I... So, one of the novellas, the one I was talking about earlier, actually, Dawn Shard, yeah. uh, it came out during the pandemic. And it's between two of the Stormlight books. And the next Stormlight book had come out already, and I had it in my hand. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't get the physical book printed for Dawn Shard. As a matter of fact, I want to say that my copy of that may still be in the plastic. And the reason is, the ebook, of course, you don't have to fucking make that up. It yeah. came out, but I was like, I'm going to read the next fucking book, and I have to read this first. Yeah. So I literally bought a Kindle Paperwhite, which is the closest thing to paper you can get. Mm-hmm. And I fucking read that novella, and then I returned it. <laughs> I read this in like one sitting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, I just and and that's like the closest that I could get. And even then, I don't like the thing because it feels clunky and slow. So like, while the the visual of it might can trick my brain into thinking, yes, you're reading a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, the technology expert side of me is like, I can't deal with this clunky fucking contraption. Yeah. You know, and they don't design e-readers to feel like fast computers. That's true, and you know it's crazy because it's like, uh, you know, I, I don't recommend people go out and and buy a bunch of fucking omnibus. But I'm like, if you guys want to read a bunch of comic books, just if you have, you know, like eighteen bucks a month, get Marvel Unlimited and and DC Infinite. Like yeah. those two apps alone will get you access to, like. Tens of thousands of comic books, you know, yeah. whatever you're looking for. I can't do it. Me either. <laughs> but <laughs> do you know, I mean, do you know how, like, how many books I probably would have read if I could oh, do man. it, you know? Yeah. Um, because rather than have a fucking library, I mean, and mine's not even anything close to the room we're fucking sitting in. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> it's just... I could have I could have the entire fucking Cosmere mm-hmm. at my fingertips at any point in time, and that would be great, especially for situations like this. But yeah, I so, mean, um, well, fortunately for you, man, you really don't have to pick. Yeah, because you can get the audio 
for Mistborn, and I can give you the book too. So <laughs> you could, I mean, that's actually what I do with these. Uh, not so much anymore, mm-hmm. but when I used to drive all the fucking time, yeah. is I would read the book to a certain point, and then I would get in the car, and I would listen to the audio, and then I would go back to the book. Right. And uh, that worked out for me because a lot of times um, it is hard for me to start a series with the audio mm-hmm. because I need to envision it. And, like, oh, yeah. I need yeah. to I need to dive in. But mm-hmm. once I'm familiar with the world, I'm fine with the audio. Yeah. Because now you're telling me about things I That's already true. have reference for. Right. So. Yeah. So, yeah, you really don't have to pick. So. See, see, that's interesting because, like, my my next follow-up statement was going to be, I, uh, I, I think what I am willing to do, like, from you and from everyone else who you have uh, infected with Sandersonism, <laughs> uh, this... This entire cosmic, this entire connected universe is, it's just amazing and fantastic. And I'm like, if it is as good as as I keep hearing, then at least starting an audio, I don't think should be an issue for me. I, I gotta say, like, the storytelling is is always tremendous. And don't get me wrong, there are some. There are some dry spots in a couple of the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to say that, you know. It, it, you know, go watch my ranking. Yeah, uh, there were there were there were a couple that made pretty low on the list. They're still great. Yeah, I just probably won't go back to them because mm-hmm. if I'm going to reread something, it's not going to be those. Um, and and a lot of them, <clears throat> you know, they kind of serve the overarching plot of the Cosmere and that kind of harms the individual book uh, kind of in like a, you know, civil war or fucking uh, age of Ultron kind of way. Yeah. And if you're going to tell these giant stories, then, you know, that's going to happen sometimes. It's yeah. Just, it's just unavoidable, but I don't think it's ever as egregious as some of the instances we've seen. So, right. Yeah, man, I'm excited for that. Uh, I think, I think Mistborn is you're, you're such an action fan. Mm-hmm. And even if I can't get you into the Roshar stuff, which I I don't know, man. Like, I know you love world building. Yeah. And the world building there is it's immaculate, you know. Um, those are the main two pillars, you know, kind of the Cosmere is uh, Stormlight Mistborn. That's where all the, the real big shit's happening. And, you know, Mistborn's action-adventure and I know you'll be able to sink your teeth into that because the mm-hmm. way that Sanderson actually describes the action, I think it is his strong suit. I think that from a his ability to describe magical fighting to me, either through the audio or through the, the text, uh, I think that is absolutely the thing he excels at. Because I never have any problem picturing exactly what the fuck is happening. Right. And uh, that, to me, I mean, I think that's going to be something that you really like. So, well, shit, I'm. <clears throat> well, now I'm looking forward to it. Then, all right. Well, uh, this is the point where, <laughs> yeah, I need anyone who doesn't want uh, to to get spoilerized to get the fuck out. <laughs> uh, you know who you are. So, 
And what's going to be interesting for you is uh, that was the warning, by the way. Mm-hmm. If you're still here, yeah. <laughs> proceed at your own peril. That was really like to me like I think an interesting point of view that you're going to have because no one else that I've sent on this journey mm-hmm. started here. Yeah. Um, if anything, like as a matter of fact, like you and I are the only people that I know that have read this like offhand, like in our circle. Kay is is reading it now. Right. She, she may be done reading. It. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, she reads fast as shit. She she could read this in one sitting. Easily. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have that, uh, that like connection to Chris that nobody else, even myself had where you get to the back of that book, you're going to be like, Oh, I know, you know, you're going to have that like connection with her. See, that's interesting. Cause I didn't even think about it from that perspective. Yeah. You would have that. You're going to have that heads up that we didn't have. And when you see her, in the flesh for the first time, you're going to have that, like, uh, fucking DiCaprio pointing at the TV meme. Moment, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, because it's super obvious when, you, when you're going to see her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Um, it is a while, but, uh, but she, she will be around oh. a lot. So, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really interested to see where she, she goes. That's, uh, I mean, that's good to know, and I'm curious if by that point, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if she still be uh, my my favorite, or would it be someone else who usurps the spot, you know? Yeah. And she is a top ten for me. Okay. Cosmere wide. Yeah. Fuck, man. There's so many, like, good characters. Um my favorite character in the Cosmere is from Mistborn, but I don't know, man. Her even being in the top ten is that, that's such a that's that's a that's a fucking heavy list, my friend. Yeah. Um, I would love to see more Kenton, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's going to happen unless we get a sequel to White Sand. I was going to say the same thing yeah. because he should be dead, right? Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even actually know how she is alive. I just know that she is alive. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where all that goes. And he's also so good about these little stories because even when, when you start Mistborn, you know, I've kind of told you about the shards a little bit. Um, and so you'll see, you, I think you'll see that, um, cause you're looking for it, mm-hmm. but it's so interesting that you have this overarching plot where you have all these fucking gods, essentially, that are fighting with each other over control of the Cosmere or the future of the Cosmere. Um, they all have very different motives. Yeah. Uh, and to see that happening and then to be able to zoom all the way in and care about... Kenton, who's trying to uphold the, the the traditions of his ancestors, right, and and to be able to care about that, but also see how it fits into that much much larger puzzle, as, as this just kind of tiny little cog in the machine, uh, it, that 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 shit is so well done, yeah, you know, I, I can't get over how well done it is, and and you know, I talked about this a little bit earlier, 
the the people who picked up those sixteen shards, not all of them necessarily like had the intention because intent is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So if you pick up um, honor, for example, uh, you w- will be you at first with immense power. But over time, the intent of the shard would pull you to be more honorable. Oh, okay. And you will not be able to resist that. Yeah. And early on in the Cosmere, you kind of feel like Ruin is going to be this big fucking deal where you're like, I can't imagine anything worse than this. Yeah. This is a god who... Kind of like Galactus, like his his purpose, his nature is to dismantle things down to atoms, you know, to their most basic <laughs> right. blocks, you know. Yeah, he is truly the opposite of preservation, you know. Yeah. And to ruin, um, you actually saw ruin today. Uh, what? In, in the so that creepy fucking thing I posted in our D and D chat, that was who that that's was. That's ruined. Yeah, I was like, what in the fuck? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And and when you get to the, there's a certain point in the story you're gonna get to where you're gonna be like, this motherfucker, and it really relates to like what happened in our D and D campaign at the uh... last meet. Uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was ruined that I put in our chat and. Yeah, when you look at that motherfucker, you're like, I can't imagine anything worse than this. But at the end of the day, man, uh, odium and autonomy, I think, are much more horrifying. Because autonomy uh, is is a fucking world invader, and we don't actually even know how many worlds she has. Right. And every time she takes a world over... She's adding to her invading armies that she has at her disposal. Yeah. Uh, and we we and we see that shit come into play pretty recently, where it's just like, okay, yeah, we've been worried about Odium this whole time, but um, we got autonomy here, and she is a bitch. Um, so, so throughout the course of the Cosmere thus far, have. Uh, have all 16 shards been personally introduced? Um, I want to say, let me just verify this. I want to say they have all been named. Mm-hmm. Um, but it may be only 15 of them. Uh, let me interesting. Let me verify that. Yeah, 15 are known um, two of the original shards. I shouldn't have even said that. <laughs> uh, are are still not named. Yeah, my using the word original there was uh, yeah was uh, interesting. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, uh, and, and so. When you say introduce, so we know, for example, we know that um, 
Invention, Mercy, Valor, and Whimsy have all been name-dropped. We have not been introduced to them okay. on screen. Uh, we have been introduced to Autonomy. Um, endowment uh, is an interesting one. She's... Um, uh, she's on the Warbreaker planet, uh, which is Nalthus, and they have this really fucking interesting kind of system where their magic system is kind of based on like colors. Huh. And uh, they have a their their form of investiture is like breath, and like everybody is born with breath, and you can give it away or have it taken from you technically. And uh, so, like, some people can accumulate. So, it's like magical capitalism. (laughs) And based on how much you have, you can do certain things. And you can, uh, their magic is called awakening. So, like, um, let's just say that you have some rope. Yeah. Um, You can awaken that rope and tell it to go tie this motherfucker up. And it will come alive. And go and do the thing. Um, But... That, that magic system is so intricate because um, your command words have to be, not only do your command words have to be accurate mm-hmm. and, and simple, but they have to combine with your intent when you say them. Intent is very important throughout right. the Cosmere. Uh, it comes up a lot. Um, <clears throat> not all of the holders of these shards are alive. Um, How does that work? Well, Odium has um, done what is what may be a unique thing to Odium, and he has splintered quite a few of them. And so what that means is the actual holder of the shard, the vessel, is dead. Um, and the power can't be destroyed. Investiture, mm-hmm. it's like matter. You can't destroy it. Right. But the shard is splintered. Meaning that the power exists, but it's not in a piece where you could pick it up. It'd be like if you took a you know a mug and threw it against the wall and it explodes. Right. It's no longer a, a mug. You can't yeah. pick it up and use it as a mug. All the pieces are there, um, except you're dealing with a near-infinite power source. Right. So, like, um, there's a planet, uh, the, the Elantris planet... Um, uh, the both of the shards, uh, devotion and dominion, um, they both settled on that world, and Odium came there and killed them both, and so um, they were splintered, and their their power there has not necessarily combined, but it has all kinds of fucking bad shit has happened as a result of those like dead gods yeah. being murdered <laughs> on that world, um. And then uh, we know of uh, Cultivation, Honor, trying to see if I'm missing any, um, Ambition. And those are the only ones I can name. Uh, yeah. Anything further than that is is more than I'm willing to talk about here. But uh, very fucking interesting things happen uh, with those. And like... The further, the deeper you go in, the more evident they are. Like when you read Mistborn, at least the first one, they're really not even going to get into that. It's a lot like this, where mm-hmm. that story is what you really want to focus on, and then as you get further into it, it very quickly becomes like, 
oh, okay, this is why all of these things are happening. So, gotcha. So, I guess uh, a question for you, since this is uh, still a little bit part of that uh, that, that spoiler section there. Um, would you say that throughout the entire Cosmere, I know that there's different really cool and intricate individual storylines that maybe some of those bleed over. Would you say that there's like one overarching theme, threat, or storyline that is is being woven or told? And if not, do you have a theory on what that could be? Or would that be too spoilery? Well, some people believe that ultimately they're going to put Adenalsium back together. Oh, and I don't think that that would be... That's capital G, guy, for those of you keeping up. Yeah, I don't think that... So first of all, like, that entity is dead, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, the power is alive. Yeah. But essentially, like, that creature, that god, is is dead. So I think that, like, if you had an individual that could hold them all, you could have someone who could take all the shards back up. Um, but in order to fucking do that, you have to essentially know how to kill 16 gods unless one of the existing people does it. Right. Right. And then like, there's also like, how do you, and this is, this is into the weeds, but it's how do you continue to do that? Right. Because if you pick up the shard of preservation, it will immediately start to pull on you. Oh, you can't harm that. You yeah. have to. You have to preserve. Right, right. Um, you know, if you pick up honor, you're immediately gonna be pulled into. Oh God, like I don't, you know, and and that and that's Odium's goal, right? Like that's why he splinters shards. He he kills the vessel and breaks the power apart, so that someone else can't pick it up and challenge him. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want to pick the shard up because the person race who picked up Odium chose that shard on purpose. Uh, we are, according to Hoyd, that dude was a dick bag well before he ever picked <laughs> that shard up. And so he does not want the influence of another power to pull his intent in that direction. He wants to, he wants to be the soul God of the Cosmere. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't want to, to start incorporating these shards back into himself because he doesn't want to be pulled by their intent. Right. Uh, I, I I would, you know, I, I wouldn't think autonomy would either, right? Because that kind of goes against the, yeah. the intent wholly. Right. Um, the two of them probably working together, I think that's a, a possibility. Um, currently, Odium is, is trapped on Rashar and cannot escape. So, hmm. uh, which is great unless you live there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, is there an overarching plot? I think that the the drama with the shards is probably it. Yeah. Um, Hoyd factors into that. His story is very interesting. Um, eventually, we are gonna find out all the answers to these kind of questions because um, eventually, Brandon is gonna write Dragonsteel, which is gonna be uh, probably end up being a trilogy that is based on the original world where all of them are from. Oh. Uh, Yolin. And it's going to be the story of them killing God and and how all that played out. So we'll find out why and we'll find out how. And 
there are things in the Cosmere that didn't come from Aiden Alcide. Um, hmm. There's a thing called Aethers. And they either predate Aiden Alcide being shattered or they're not, weren't created by him at all. Um, and and they're nuts too, so. Good grief. Yeah, there's a, there's, there's a lot. Um, as far as overarching plot for like the whole thing, I mean, Hoyt obviously would be like the, kind of the main character. And, you know, some of these stories he's in a lot. And some of the stories he's only in like this one. You know, he's just kind of a cameo, kind of yeah. historic character. But, you know, he is a big picture guy. As a matter of fact, he says to to one of the characters, on uh, he's on Rashar, and he says, you know, I'm helping you, but don't misunderstand. It, in order to, like... To fulfill my goals, if this planet has to burn, I I wouldn't think twice at all about about making that sacrifice because he's one hundred percent a big picture guy. Like yeah. to him, Odium is the biggest threat to the Cosmere. And uh, he has a personal distaste for race and it's mutual. And to him, Odium is the biggest threat in the Cosmere. And he will do anything, and I mean anything to not only prevent Odium's escape, but to stop him from doing what he's going to do. Um, and his armies are fucking twisted, bro. Like, uh, <clears throat> yeah, he has he has some shit. But I, I do think that there will be um, kind of more to that. Mistborn and 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 Stormlight are definitely like the main pillars. These are the main places where everything's happening. Right. Odium hasn't. Showed up on Skadrial because he can't, but um, fucking autonomy has, and I think that's where we're gonna see going forward. Is I think autonomy is coming after Skadrial, and I think that Odium for now is gonna still be stuck on Rashar. We will see after Stormlight Five if that is still the case. But I think if Odium gets loose, uh, we're gonna have some really big fucking problems. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, there, there is a lot and the, the interconnected nature of it, by the time you get to the lost metal, which is the most recent Mistborn book, the we're full tilt. Now the gloves are off. Like it's full on like Avengers crossover shit. Right. Okay. You know, um, shit. Well, that sounds dope as hell then. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have full tilt, like. This character from this other book is here, and they're fucking shit up. And then yeah. this character runs a fucking secret organization on another planet. And, yeah, I mean, it's just, there's a whole lot. Like, a lot of it, the earlier books are kind of like White Sand, where, you know, people weren't really thinking in shared universes yet. Yeah. And he was very much like, okay, I want you to be able to pick this book up and not have to have read all this shit. Lost Metal is not that. Like, Lost Metal is pure, just... It is the biggest example thus far of him just being like, fuck it, if you haven't read everything, then you're not going to get this, you know? I mean, and there comes a point where you have to do that, though, you know? Hmm. Yeah, you can't can't take somebody who's never seen anything in the MCU and be like, here, watch Infinity War. Yeah. They're going to be tripping balls. (laughs) They're like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) Yeah, 
Uh, I do have uh, one more question on my end. Okay. We talked about this a little bit uh, off mic before we started recording. Uh, we talked about uh, if Sanderson, does he have a, a, a team that helps him out? Because this all sounds like a lot. I mean, and even logistically speaking, keeping up with all of this seems like such a improbability for one person. So is there a, a team of people who are helping? And like, if so, to what degree are they helping pitch ideas, fill in the blanks? Are they looking at potential plot holes that could be? So Brandon is still, you know, the major guiding creative force for the Cosmere. But unfortunately, Brandon also likes to fucking go down these rabbit holes and write other shit, right? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, we had Skyward, and that's non-Cosmere. But he wanted to write a a book that was like this. It's it's like it's Aragon, right? It's a, it's a story of this girl. She finds a sentient spaceship, <laughs> and it's a fucking great yeah. book. And then next thing you know, there's like four novellas. And there's four novels, and it's its own thing, you know. Or, for example, the second era of Mistborn was never supposed to be a thing. Uh, so, in, in Mistborn, the, the technology is very much medieval, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not medieval. It's like medieval going into industrial. Okay. You know, they have certain things. Yeah. Uh, like, they have, like, canned food, you know. Gotcha. But other things are, like, like they don't have guns. Like, they have bows and Okay. Um, so the second era of Mistborn was supposed to jump all the way to like 1980s like tech. Mm, shit. It's supposed to be a very large yeah. jump. And that's a fucking really cool thing about Mistborn is that so unique is there's really not another story where we actually see a world change like that. Yeah. It's usually this is the setting where it's with Mistborn. We get to see how this world evolved over time. Well, he, uh, his, you know, sometime after he wrote the first trilogy, he was at the airport and his flight got delayed. And so he sat down and wrote a steampunk Western Mistborn book. And now there are four novels in Era 2 because his flight got delayed. <laughs> yeah. And originally he just wrote Alloy of Law, which is what the first one is called. And it's, it's fucking steampunk cowboy wizards. What's yeah. there not to like? Right. And then he was like, well, I'll just do this one book and then we'll jump into their era, what was going to be Era 2. Mm-hmm. And then people really love the characters. And he's like, I really like the characters too. And then there's three more books. So, God damn. So, yeah. Um, so, Brandon writes what he's going to write. However, we have Isaac Stewart, who is the head of creative at Dragon Steel, and put together this Omni. And we are going to see some stories, I think, that Isaac writes and maybe just runs by Brandon for, like, is this okay for the Cosmere? Yeah. And the cool thing about the Cosmere is, you know, there's stuff like Tress of the Emerald Sea. You have uh, Lumar, which is a super fucking unique planet, and it has a whole whole bunch of cool tie-ins. But it's off on its own little, like, its own little world. And as far as we know, there's not even a shard there. So you can go off and write this really whimsical kind of story there and it's fine, you know. And and I think Isaac maybe will do things like that. Maybe he'll write a white sand too. I would love that. Uh it just depends. Uh and then also he recently got Dan Wells 
um, to come on board. And so he's a Dragon Steel employee now. He's also an author. And uh, he mostly writes like horror. Oh. And so that's not really Brandon Strong's suit, but there are some aspects of the Cosmere that are going to kind of lean in that direction. So Dan is going to be writing books in the Cosmere as well. So this has become a big, huge thing. They do have like an internal wiki that they use to keep up with everything. Good. Um, But yeah, I mean, it, it has become this huge deal and, and you know Brandon putting out four or five books a year right still can't necessarily keep up with it he may only have one release next year and that would be Stormlight because he literally asked the bindery what the maximum number of pages they could put in a hardcover <laughs> was that's ridiculous yeah yeah I have a feeling that uh, Stormlight 5 which as we know is going to be called uh, the Knights of Wind and Truth is uh is gonna it's probably gonna be thirteen hundred fourteen hundred pages I, I have no doubt yeah god damn man yeah, he's ridiculous yeah so I I think I know the answer to this but like with the you know uh with the the other people helping kind of fill in the the blanks or helping write more in the Cosmere uh. Do you have uh, an issue with that, with Samson not doing everything? Or, or are you fine with the idea of other talented people who maybe have a different flair coming in? This book gives me a lot of respect for Isaac. Yeah. And listening to like interviews with him. And Isaac's been around since, from day one, right? Like, so. Oh, that's good. You know, he's he's a fucking Cosmere scholar. Like, yeah. You know. Um, but then Dan. I haven't read any of his work. Um, they actually, so he and Brandon wrote a novel, uh, a graphic novel together hmm. called Dark One. It's not in the Cosmere; it's its own thing. Yeah. Um, but people have been kind of raving about it. I haven't read it yet. Uh, maybe that'd be a thing we can. You said it's Dark One. It's called Dark One. Yeah. And maybe that's a thing we could. Yeah. You know, we could do. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I, I would I would want to check out his work. Brandon definitely wouldn't have brought him in if he didn't think he was going to be a good addition. I do think Brandon will continue to write all of the main shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we're going to see a Mistborn by anybody on the cover other than Brandon Sanderson. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see a Stormlight by anyone other than Brandon Sanderson. But if Dan Wells writing a book means that I can get Mistborn Era 3 before I'm 50, then <laughs> I'll be very happy about it. Because uh, Brandon has said uh, he wants to finish it all. I think, like, 63 is his age. Oh, okay. He wants to have it done. It's a very specific age. It's random, yeah. But uh, I definitely hope he gets it all done because, um, you know, we are about to go into Mistborn Era 3, which is going to be like an 80s technology-type deal. Um, and then, you know, we know that the end of the Cosmere is going to be is going to be Mistborn again. It's going to be the the fourth era, which is going to be like a space age, like a futuristic mm. deal. And it's going to be so awesome we get there to have started off in this world in like a pre-industrial revolution right? And, and having been with it throughout all of these eras. I don't know that there's a story like that. So, And then I don't know what the fuck's going to happen <laughs> on, on Rashar. Like, I have no fucking idea what the back half of the Stormlight Archive is is going to be about. Um, so I don't know, man. Uh, I, I, I like that he has a team. I'm very glad that Dragonsteel is expanding. 
Uh, Tor, who public has published most of the Cosmere, they have to be getting nervous because he's got his own publishing company now. They just oh yeah, they just um, bought like a, a warehouse like ten times the size of the one they have. Um, and you have to think that at some point he's going to break away from Tor yeah. and just self-publish everything. Oh yeah. I mean, you've seen the copy of uh, Trust of the Emerald Sea that I have. Mm-hmm. That book is beautiful. That is a gorgeous book. And they just came out with uh, the Frugal Wizard's Guide to Medieval London. It's a non-Cosmere. Okay, I was like, wait a uh, <laughs> And, and I, I have no interest in reading it anytime soon, but I will eventually get to it. And it also is gorgeous. Um, as a matter of fact, the bottom of each page has like some little artwork on it and it's different. And, uh, and it, it's, it's very similar. Like I think all the dragon steel editions to these books are looking like that. And it get, it comes to the point where it's like, we're going to want that for all of the books. Yeah. So I don't know what the contracts with Tor are. I don't know how long he has to stay with them, but they have to know that he eventually wants to do his own thing. And one of the things that he's very adamant about is like if you buy the physical book, you should get the audio and the and the ebook with it. Damn. And which is something like Wizard of the Coast is starting to do. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's always driven Brandon fucking nuts with these publishers is like at least you should get the ebook with it. Yeah. Um, if you buy the physical book. And uh, so I think that Dragon Steel is gonna start trying to kind of change the way that publishing is. And Brandon's so big that he can do that. I mean, he recently just said, fuck Audible. And that's <laughs> that's Amazon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he can tell Amazon to fuck off. And, you know, he's that big. So, so I don't know, man. Uh, I, think, I think it remains to be seen. I think he's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I know Hollywood has come calling. Oh, I bet. Um, but, one, you know, the one thing that he's stuck by is, the Hollywood studios don't know how to react to him mm-hmm. because they show up with a briefcase full of cash yeah. and they're like, hey, we wanted the rights to this. Here's $10 million. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I want full creative control. Yeah. Keep your money. And they have no idea how to react to that. Yeah. You know? he, <laughs> he has written a Mistborn screenplay. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, literally, he's got it sitting around. Yeah. All that has to happen is some studio... Has to make it. God damn. You know, he will not allow a live action adaptation to occur without his, without him having at least, you know, considerable creative control. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's an incredibly honorable power play. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I, I dig that. Yeah. I mean, cause can you imagine if like, you know, Infinity War had sucked, and you're Jim Starling. You know what I mean? Right. right. He didn't have any creative control over that. He just got lucky as fuck. Yeah. That the people that did respect the work. Right. You know, <laughs> if if Robert Jordan could watch Wheel of Time, he would be he would probably crumble and die. <laughs> He's probably rolling over in his grave. Oh shit. Um, you know, I mean, just imagine like if like Tolkien watched Rings of Power. Oh. You know. Yeah, that'd probably break him. Yeah, I mean, five minutes in, he'd be like, these graphics are mind-blowing, but mm-hmm. uh, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> he'd probably look at it and just think it's parody. Like, are they are they satiring my work? Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, he obviously he probably would honestly hate the Peter Jackson movies. Oh wow, <laughs> man, Tolkien's the first Alan Moore. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. He didn't live. He he wasn't around long yeah. enough to get Alan Moore. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's certain things he would like. I think yeah. he would really like Treebeard. Okay. Well, okay. He'd be like, "Why didn't you guys get C.S. Lewis to voice this character?" And they'd be like, "Well, um, we got some news for you." Um, yeah, you, you might want to sit down for this. <laughs> you one. might want to sit down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think that that's really cool. I don't, I personally don't want to see Stormlight uh, live action adapted. Really? Ever? ever. Wow. Not not unless a bunch of people are going to get real cool with a bunch of shit really fast, because the um, the the production budget alone, I mean, just the the amount of CG that you would have to have, because number one, you'd have to you'd have to invent, I think, an even more advanced volume than they use on Mandalorian, because as I said earlier, there's nowhere on Earth you can go and film Rashar. Right. Oh, okay. It's, yeah. It's not Earth-like, mm-hmm. really. So, I mean, there's certain scenes that you could do, but for the most part, you're gonna have to make that shit in a volume. Yeah. So that's expensive. And then one of the forms of investiture on that world is called Sprint, and I can't really. I, I can't. We were three hours into this. I, I can't go into what they are, but just imagine that they're kind of like little magical, like Pokemon, right? And um, they are drawn to like uh, emotions, right? So mm-hmm. there's like victory sprint. So you win a battle, and and you start to feel this emotion, and and they will be drawn to you. Huh. And so they're everywhere, like all the time. And so the CG to to make to that. make that there's gonna be CG on it's gonna be a fucking Space Jam amount all the time, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. And so yeah, I mean just to make it, and not to mention, uh, if you made even if and Brandon has talked about this, Brandon pitched what he would do for a if like Netflix wanted to do ten hours for the first book. Yeah. And I don't like it. I think I remember hearing you say that, and that caught me by surprise. Yeah, and I was like, "No, I, no, we need twenty five <laughs> hours for the first book," and that really is what it is. And I just don't see a live action adaptation of that. I don't see the money being invested in it, and then I don't know if it would play right. in live action because the lore is the story. And uh, I don't know, man. I mean, Lord of the Rings is so fucking good, you know? Yeah. And, like, the casting would just have to be... It, it, it's going to be like, you, I, you know, I'm going to need like a billion dollars yeah. for the first one. And nobody's going to come off of that shit, you yeah. know? Well, they spent 600 mil on the first season of the fucking Rings of Power. All right, you know, we don't need to talk about that. Yeah. You and, know. like, $4 of that was the writing staff. <laughs> That much, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's like that's like the cab fare to get them there. Oh, okay, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. So, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited to see where things go. I do think that Mistborn is uniquely suited to be a Hollywood production. Uh, 
they also could fuck it up. I think a lot of it um, revolves around who they would cast as Vin because the reason I tell people to start there is because Vin is very easy to fall in love with as a protagonist. Um, she's very likable. Uh, she's a character that you want to root for. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why I like uh, The Flashes and Making Money. Is because like Ezra Miller's just not that person right now. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, I mean that that's what it all comes down to for me is like, can you capture the essence of these characters? Which it's funny because uh, we talk about that on the show a lot. Right. It's the same thing with if you're trying to adapt any of these things on these shelves around me. Yeah. Um, if you would have told me that Netflix was going to do a decent job with Sandman, I would have been like, I don't ever want to see that shit adapted either. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, hell, I haven't read a whole lot of it, like, even, like, The Witcher, you know, like, can you... But, I mean, season one, I thought was, you know... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't watched season three. But no, I haven't watched season three either. I haven't heard anything but bad about oh, it. Oh, really? I've only heard negative. It, it just came out, didn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, well. Yeah, and I'm just, I don't know, man. I it, It's it's the same thing, man. It, yeah. it, it doesn't matter if you're adapting a comic book or not. Mm-hmm. You follow the homie commandments or you don't. Yeah, you, you do or you don't, you know. And, and you know, I mean, hell, it, it's not like we made the commandments and then so everything falling into place. It was like, okay, this is what's happening. These commandments are to prevent that from happening again. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and um, I mean, fucking Zack Snyder proved yeah. he understood it, finally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean... He did Watchmen first, you know? But I know that, like, you know, picking this up, and, and when you when you read it, I, how many times were you reading this book, and, 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 you know, did you sit there in your head and go, Hollywood would totally fuck this. Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, Hollywood would would shit all over this. You you can hear John Peters looking at the whole like Tyson angle mm-hmm. and being like, nobody's gonna get this. Take this out. Yeah, yeah. Take it. I tell you what. Yeah, if this was ever adapted, how many Tyson were there? Were there a total of seven? There. Uh, if you include the Lord Masterful, so there's one, two, three. There's actually nine if you nine. include the okay. Lord Mastro and the and Lord Beggar. Yeah. Even though he doesn't get a vote. It's true. Even though he doesn't get a vote. Uh, yeah, like, there would probably be like three of them, you know. And, and and a lot of the roles would be condensed. You know, you would get you would get Vey, you would get uh, Arik's dad, and you get like, oh, and, and you get uh, fucking uh, goddamn drunkard. Yeah, and yeah. they would be caricatures. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah no characters detected. Yeah. All caricatures. Yeah. So. Uh yeah, I mean, yeah, it would be it'd be very stripped down and and they would lose what makes stories like this so great, you know. That's, and, and that's the that's that's the other thing too, like you, you, you could just hear them being like, Well, nobody's gonna wanna watch this story about this dude going around all these bureaucrats trying to convince them to vote for him. Well, see, the the problem is that Hollywood, the, or the people in it, they, uh, they're they so full of themselves that they unknowingly always make these self-fulfilling prophecies. Nobody wants to see 
whatever movie, and then they they butcher their material, <laughs> make the movie, and no one wants, and no one wants to see it. And they're like, "Well, see, no one wanted to see this. <laughs> see the Flash." Yeah. <laughs> and so the difference is, I, surely, the difference is that with the Flash, they had to have been like, "Well, people would want to see a Flash movie." <laughs> <laughs> I got. I, I, I feel like any time now I'm gonna go and on the internet and read a headline and it's gonna be like somehow Morbius surpassed the flash at the box office this weekend. <laughs> like, what the fuck? They were still playing that? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. It's like no 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 no. Yeah. Uh yeah, man. That, like I that that happened to me like the whole time I was going through this. You just could tell like what they would have taken out, what they would simplify. I think there'd be all these really unnecessary scenes of Kenton mm-hmm. using the sand and like, oh yeah, doing all these like fancy fucking unnecessary fight scenes. They, they, I think they would make it to Avatar: Last Airbender, and instead yeah. of making it his own thing. Also, every time those assassins attacked. Mm-hmm. You would have Chrysala with no powers yep. taking out an equal amount of them as oh, yeah. Kenton. Yeah. And then uh at least once in the movie, you would have Kenton using the sand mastery and like one of the assassins like comes up behind him and then Chrysala hits the guy with the book with or something. Bo- yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, you know. there's a giant book of Hollywood tropes that they have to put in at least ten, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they they definitely do that. Awful sauce. Yeah. You know, and and they probably would find a way to ruin Ace also. Yeah. Yeah. I, and see, that's the thing, right? Like, it depends if they, make it, if they were to make it into a movie or a TV show. If it's a TV show, she actually makes it in there. Yeah. If it's a movie, maybe even not. They just, maybe just doesn't even make it. Or they cast yeah. Brie Larson. So it doesn't even make it. And she's just bitchy. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's yeah. the character. Yeah. Brie's like, I don't know what my character is. They're like, just, just, just be yourself. Yeah. Just do you. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They would just they would they would make her like snotty and bitchy mm-hmm. and lose all other context. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like the the reasoning and the understanding of the character would all be lost. Like like the conflict that you feel when you read Ace and in this book, in comparison with the Kenton, that would be completely lost in translation. Yeah. You know. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think. The they would try to open with the big ass fight with the Sandmasters and the assassins. Like that, I, that I would be one, a huge mistake. One hundred percent think they open the story that way, and they probably skimp on the fight and make a lot of it CG. Oh yeah, oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, in their defense, like what are you gonna do? You know, you got these giant ass sand ribbons and you know people flying and. This is where I just hold up a copy of fucking The Lord of the Rings Extended. <laughs> so like, here we go. These motherfuckers assembled like 500 horses to run across the field. Yeah, but you can't assemble 5,000 grains of sand to be like, all right, sand. You know. Yeah, there's nowhere on planet Earth where there's 5,000 grains of sand. That you can make a, a fucking whip or a, a, a sand ribbon? Oh. Uh, that part. Well, they have to CG the sand. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, they would CG the, the people. Oh, oh, fuck. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would see the, 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 the people in the fight. There'd yeah, be no. like four real people. Right. And, and then, then everybody else would be some fucking AI-generated 
random uh, the crowd yeah. from SmackDown versus Raw. <laughs> Fred Durst from uh, the uh, the entrance he had. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, we've been going for three hours yeah, now. Yeah, we really have. I, I knew I was going to come on here and nerd the fuck out, but uh, I didn't know the rabbit hole was going to go this deep, but here we are. Oh, well, the rabbit hole is is never ending, my friend. It is continuously going on. Um, But I think we should go ahead and wrap up here. Yeah, same. It's like uh, 1 a.m. <laughs> you got work tomorrow? Uh, yeah. Oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this man is dedicated to shit. Oh, oh, hundred percent. I was like, I mean, hell, I kept asking questions like, okay, so well, what about this? You yeah, know? yeah, about the two and a half hour mark. I was like, all right, yeah, man, you know, I probably said enough here. And then you're like, so let me ask you about six things. I was like, all right, man, well, I don't have to, I don't have to go to work until like Wednesday, so we can sit here as long as you want, bro. You're the, you're the one that's gonna suffer, not me. Uh, but, all I have to do is drive a big ass truck. It's all good. But this was totally worth the wait. Hundred percent. I've I've loved this, and and I'm glad this delivered because yeah. like I read it as you were reading it. Yeah. So it 100 percent could have been like the worst Sanderson work. That that would that's by far the worst case scenario. It could have been dog shit. Yeah. And I would, and you would have been like nah. Like <laughs> and I was like is this your king? Yeah. 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 Is yeah. this your king? <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> but I mean. You know, that's the thing. Like, everybody I've introduced to his storytelling, like, has has been like, nah, this is the shit. Yeah. And, and it doesn't help that Hollywood keeps doing all the shit we were just talking about. Yeah. And he consistently does not do that shit. And every time he subverts my expectations, well, I'm not going to say every time. I'm going to say like 97% of the time. Uh, when he subverts my expectations, I like it. Mm-hmm. And that's a weird fucking thing too because with Hollywood, it's like the opposite yeah. percentage. If, if it's not Christopher Nolan, odds are I don't want to be subverted. Yeah. Just I, give me the trope. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know who else in Hollywood has, has done it. I, I'm sure there are, but like off top right now, it's a very short list of filmmakers who have Subvert expectations successfully. That may be one of the reasons why I fucking scored indie the way I did is because it's literally just a tropey fucking Indiana Jones adventure. And that's literally what I fucking wanted. And there's no point. There's a couple of points in that movie where I'm like, okay. But it never made me angry. It never pissed me off. It never made me be like, I wish they had never made this fucking thing. It just, you know, it, it was a fucking tropey adventure movie. Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. And, well, see, and, I, and I'll fucking well, take that over Crystal's call I, any day. I blame Hollywood then for burying the bar, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's on them. It is. Yeah. Well... In conclusion, fuck you, Hollywood. Straighten up, uh, and, and and maybe you won't keep losing money. Uh, you got any closing thoughts about White Sand, the Cosmere? Um, I think Hollywood should pay their fucking writers, even though they're not 100%. doing a great job. Yeah, maybe that's why they're not. That's doing they, yeah. a great yeah. job. Maybe that's why they're turning in bullshit. Um, and uh, if they think that they're gonna get Sanderson to come help them, 
this motherfucker is 100% in solidarity with the writers, of course, mm-hmm. because it's what he does for a living. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, man, this has been a blast. Uh, I am glad that I got you on the sauce. You did, and you, you successfully did, you son of a bitch. Yeah, you were kind of the last frontier. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm going to start working on Billy now. Oh. So, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, here we go. And, then, and now you get to take the plunge. But, uh, yeah, man, this has been amazing, dude. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being here, Caleb, and, and for uh, guiding me throughout the Cosmere and, and for helping me to dip my toe in. I was just going to dip my toe in, and now you tried to push me in all the way. <laughs> well, you know, just the tip doesn't count. <laughs> uh, I have had a blast here. Homies, I hope all of you have, have enjoyed this as well. Uh, get you guys a healthy dose of the Cosmere. Uh, and, yeah, guys, definitely check out White Sand. If even if you're like me and are not familiar with the Cosmere at all, this is a uh, this is a very enjoyable, very highly recommended starting point. Uh, if and also if you guys are like me and you occasionally want to break away from the the norms of Marvel or DC and, and and get something that's that's different, new, and a little refreshing, you want to check this out. So, hundred percent recommend. But with that being said, I'm tired. Same. <laughs> I'm glad I got this energy drink because yeah. I was nodding at like eight o'clock. I was like, I need to pick me up. So this thing, this energy drink right here, uh, a customer gave this to me uh, earlier today. This thing is still half full. Oh, I took shit. like I took like two sips and I was like, what in the hell is in this? You know, <laughs> it is it is insane. Uh, but that's gonna be all from now. We will see you guys again soon. But until then, my name is Superhero Homie Q, and I'm Superhero Homie Caleb. <laughs>